Just a few film nerds breaking out of a rut Drooling over cinema that's hard and uncut Stick us in your ear, thrill to this month's picks And come and listen in, we're Measuring Flicks Hello everyone, welcome to Measuring Flicks I'm Carl Hartley And I'm Max Peterson Dude <laughs> um, that was the text I sent you last night upon at, concluding the watch of this film. At 10, dude, twelve thirty-five. Do you have the trailer set up? Are we ready to go? Fuck yeah, dude! Oh, sweet. Every All right. I, I, you're, look at me, a doubting Thomas. Everything is. I didn't have the speaker on, but that was the only thing. Fair. Um. So, welcome back, yeah, listener. Oh, we are trinity. we are officially wrapping. Um, June. <laughs> but we're catching up we're catching up we've this is nuts actually we've recorded four episodes in like the last seven we're back to og season one pace right now which is how we get five months ahead which is the kind of time travel we like to do we like to be way ahead right now we are way behind but we are we're it's this is like olympic like one of those old olympic games movies you know or like the track and field high school movie where the kid doesn't this believe is cool in himself. Runnings. This is cool yeah. runnings. We're, we're like 600 yards behind. Jamaica of a bobsled team. <laughs> John Candy is... John Candy gave us the kick, and now we're going exactly, down the motherfucking dude. chute, man. So we're catching up. Um, we are catching up fast, which is good. Um, so you guys have gotten a deluge of episodes back to back to back, starting with Jacob's Ladder Part 1. Um, so let's get into it. Let's just get into it. Let's get into it. So we l- before we do anything else... Thank Let's you. Thank some people. Shall Absolutely. We? Thank you to our first of all, first and foremost, thank you to our listeners, all of you. Anybody listening to this right now, you are literally the reason that we are doing this. There so are that, so many options out there, and right now at this moment, you're choosing to listen to us, and right. that can't be more. I can't be more thankful for that. You could be listening to Nightmare on Film Street. You could be listening to Forever Midnight. Stop or Last giving podcast them better podcasts because the they're gonna go there. They're good. They should yeah. listen to these podcasts. <laughs> know, they're know, good, yeah. man. And I love those shows. So, but but the fact that you are also listening to Measuring Flicks, thank you so much. So we're gonna wrap up our discussion of psychological horror films. Um, with today's episode and today's episode was made possible by our patrons we are a listener supported podcast if you like what you've been hearing mm-hmm. over the last like four days in a row as i just dump episode after episode on you trying to catch up to what we're supposed it's like to like it be. was a drought and now we're just making it rain over yeah, there yeah baby it's a wealth it's an embarrassment of riches over here kind of. <laughs> so um we would like to thank our patrons if you like what we do you can head on over to patreon.com slash quillandfilm q-u-i-l-l-a-n-d-f-i-l-m um, actually, I think this episode might be. It. Let's put it on the main season. Yeah, we'll drop. We'll start. Both. We'll start fresh with with our war flicks. Every then we'll go back to our our Perfect. normal format is two episodes main season available to the public, um, through Spotify, iTunes, etc. Yep. And two episodes become Patreon exclusive. So if you want the whole season, if you want to hear every discussion of all the movies that we're going to talk about in our shootouts, bang on a buck or two. Bang on a buck or two over on Patreon.com. Um, so patreon.com slash quilt and film you can get shout outs on the show full length bonus episodes those are uh we're doing a series right now called when harry met michael we're almost we're done almost with it. through it man there's a lot of movies it's in those fucking so franchise fun, though dude i can't wait to get back to we've got deathly hollows part two is all we have left from like the og, the OG harry, harry Potter. potters yeah. we've got the uh we've got the we've still got the rob zombie halloweens to yep. go we've got the new spate of like really primo halloween movies something or nothing happened and that's why the dog fair enough <laughs> <laughs> and we got fantastic beasts to get yep, into exactly. as well and the crimes of grindelwald or whatever grindel grindel snore but this 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 
Yeah, exactly. Um, so you can head on over there uh, and find out all the deets, and you can also uh, get to converse with some really cool people, um, our patrons, the people who keep the lights on and the mics hot. So we would love to thank Baloney Shoes, Leslie Ty, Cassandra. Got to shout out Cassandra, especially because getting to guest host with my wife on her podcast in a couple of weeks just cost me the chance to go and hang out with David. <laughs> <Rowney on> the- <laughs> Worth it. It, you know, we'll, we'll find a way to yeah. reschedule with David, but any opportunity that I get to go and hang out and chat with Cassandra about like nostalgic nineties cool yeah. shit, there's, there's no way you turn that down. Thank you so much uh, to Jeffrey Morgan, Kevin Ramirez, Sarah Hartley, Brian Jackson, Connor Sweeney, David Rowney, and Daniele Hartelli. You know, these names actually all sound pretty good together too. Yeah, they do. It's just like it's like poetry, just reading. Anytime I meet these beautiful people, I'm just like, you're a living poem, you know. Oh, I just want to <laughs> caress your lines. Um, David Arani, then Yelly Hotelli. Why have we never done scanners? No, we can't let the alcohol win, Carl. Thank uh-huh. you so much, William Rockwood. And finally, last but not least, we would love to thank. Actually, two more. I lied. Thank you so much to Glitterati herself, Casey Shiby, and then. Finally, thank you to John Shabby. John's um, he, they're they're both back up in the UP. That's incredible. Um, and John's doing some pretty fucking cool stuff in Marquette right now. Um, check out his Instagram. I believe he has two Instagrams. The one that I remember off the top of my head is Yonder John. Um, go and check out his stuff. He's I. Actually, I'm not sure how much I'm allowed to say, so I'm not going to say anything. But John is working on multiple projects. Primarily right now, he's working on a lot of uh, photography, although there is some video stuff coming in the future. And when I say video stuff, think about the context of the podcast you're listening to and just know (laughs) John's working on some video Video stuff. stuff. You should check it. You should check it out. Um, So that's Patreon. At the end of this episode, if you're like, what the fuck did I just listen to? I need to tear into these assholes. You can do that at measuringflixpodcast at gmail.com. Drop us a line. Or if at the end of it, you're like, thank God that finally somebody showed some sense and talked in a positive way about this film that is for some inexplicable reason fucking panned. We're going to get into that on the episode. We'll get into it. So I can see it. I can't at all. I can see the Matrix now, so like I understand. That's true. You can read the source code. It's all mm-hmm. the Gnosticism, mm-hmm. which, Carl, come on, dude. You the cell, start, you just, fucking kidding you me? You start calling me Tank. <laughs> this, what, we have to get through the trailer to get into the episode. There's so much I want to say, but before we say anything at all, we're going to let this brilliant little piece of cinema speak for itself in a uh, two minute and 30 second clip, which is probably just a super cut of all the most fucked bits of the movie. (laughs) Um, So today, Carl and I are wrapping up our discussion of psychological horror with 2000's The Cell. Have you ever heard of Wayland's infraction? You go back here. You take it home in this. The first few minutes will be very disorienting. Remember to stay calm and focused. Instincts play a very important part here, so trust them. You've read her file, hit her with something personal, and remember, it's not real.
stop playing around. What is the I'm rating on, on IMDb yeah. right now? And this movie is a 6.4 out of 10. Bullshit. I would have to agree. This movie, The Cell 2000, rocks so fucking hard. This movie is outrageous. It aged into good. itself. Holy like, shit. Like, it's a weird thing where it was like, it's better than it was 20 years ago when it came out. I 21 fucking years 21 ago when it came out. 21 years ago when this movie came out. I saw this movie in college, like maybe, uh, let's see, probably like 10 years after it came out. <laughs> I or have so. one year left in the military. I watched this on basement. <sighs> Dude. It, it, the fa- let's Hold on. So it's yeah. directed by Tarsem Singh, written by um, Mark Protosevich, um, starring Jennifer Lopez, Vince Vaughn, Vincent D'Onofrio, um, Colton James, Dylan Baker. Dylan Baker's really good in this. Uh, Marianne Jean Baptiste as Dr. Miriam Kent, also excellent. Um, Mosetta Vander as Ella Baines. And then as Gordon Ramsay. Jake Weber's in this as Gordon Ramsay. I didn't know that was his name. Jake Weber plays the other cop. Um, the people you really need to know, Jake Weber is like the, the buddy of our main cop. Mm-hmm. Vince Vaughn as Peter Novak. He's our main police officer. Vincent D'Onofrio is uh, Carl Starger, the murderer, the serial yeah. killer that they're trying to unlock the mind of. And Jennifer, Lope- J- Jennifer Lopez plays Catherine Dean. Any of you who are like, Jennifer Lopez, no, she's fucking good in this. Yeah. There are only a couple very brief moments where some not great things are happening with her but for the most part she is yeah yeah that stuff is like barely present it's any it's any time that they are having those necessary conversations um in particular between jennifer lopez and vince vaughn like the the final conversation they have like in the atrium of the facility before they go back into carl and they're talking and you kind of understand yeah. that Vince has a past. There's a couple moments there just a little bit Covering like a little bit of backstory. Yeah, they they kind of awkward but other than that, like I don't ha- it's she is phenomenal in this. I agree. Like some of the some of like just the her reaction shots yeah. are a little yeah. like oh what are you doing? But also the the like the moment that when Vince Vaughn is getting his major spoilers the cell is not necessarily one of those like twisty turny like oh we're gonna wreck the ending for you it's it's a visual feast it's a real mind bender the very plot surreal is very simple i mean 
the the plot the, the plot actual is, like right. a to b to c to right. b the, yeah the points are fairly simple but the ideas yeah, are so huge, complex yeah. um but man the moment you guys should probably watch this movie yeah. the, 48% on rotten tomatoes what, i was really? i was actually livid when i saw the reviews cuz after watching this movie you go in with those reviews in your head and you're like all right let's watch it and then it's done and you're like Okay, Wait. that was one of the best movies that I've seen I all month. I think a month. lot of that might be people just don't understand it. Yeah. Uh, okay, th- I know this sounds crazy because... You don't want to sound like a hoity-toity, like, you just didn't understand it. I put this movie right up there with Jacob's Ladder. Oh, me too, dude. Fucking awesome movie. By the way, cheers. We've got some oh, sake yeah, in front sake. of us. And this is post-Matrix. Matrix this, is 99. This comes out in 2000. 2000, yeah. yeah. So this is the next year after. And... You know what? I was going to say, like, there is some Matrix influence. There really isn't. This is its own thing. It very much is. Mm. Taiku, Premium Junmai. Oh, my good God. Highly Almighty. recommended. Paul. Oh. oh, that's like the syrup of the gods. I know, dude. And this mm. is this little nectar. Little nectar. Oh, Japanese nectar for you. Mm. 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 All right. So, I did not take any notes for this movie because I did a, I did a weird way to watch this yeah when you texted me what you were doing what did what was my response to you you might die yeah no punctuation no punctuation no capitalization just you you might might die die. um so carl texted me and was like i'm gonna do this old school because back in the day man sometimes when we were working hard but we were still trying to get the episodes out just grab a bottle of wine and watch a movie because like something about like getting a little drunk you could power through the late night ones so carl's like i'm gonna just drink some wine and watch this yeah and it worked, and that's why we did the shootout first, just because Carl was, like, gently hungover. I did. I was like, I'm going to do that, too. But then, instead, I, <laughs> instead I ate 15 milligrams of sativa edibles. That was insane! So... One chicken box is <laughs> uh, yeah, between the last sentence that you heard and the sentence I'm about to say, Carl and I ate a full meal of Chinese takeout food. <laughs> the miracles of editing. Yes, exactly. I absolutely love it. Um, so I believe I was telling you that I had eaten 15 milligrams of sativa and then sat down to watch The Cell. And as I was sitting down, I like cognized what I was about to watch as like you know when you're when you take edibles you feel that first wave and you're like oh I'm per- oh yeah. no I must be high now but really you're not that's just the little that little first it's just the tide coming in that's the key bump to prime you for yeah the, exactly. for the rail and I'm like I was sitting there and I'm like oh god I'm I'm pretty high but then I was like wait this is just the first wave this is gonna hit me hard about around the time that Vincent D'Onofrio starts drowning women I was like fuck no. <laughs> Yeah. So I w- you sent me back like you might die and then basically I was like bird you might have to like hold my hand through some parts yeah. of this and she's like buckle up buttercup and we hit play. I felt a little guilty about sending that text but I had to. You did because honestly that was a foolhardy thing to do. Yeah. It's like what I was doing during the pandemic. Bird was not wrong. Like when you sit down and binge five episodes of Hannibal and your highest shit like watching it's gonna reprogram your brain yes, a dude, bit. human bodies chopped into parts and turned into art and then like like really like hot could like uh like um like high cuisine like cannibalism and you're sitting there just like roasted out of your mind and you're like this is all pretty dark <laughs> this is a little grim boy i feel strange and like kind of scared <laughs> <laughs> i just became vegan 
Yeah, I mean, no, actually, more so. I was like, I am so hungry for pork. I can't even. Oh deal. god, that's a weird thing. Because you're, you're when you're high, you can't help but be hungry. Yeah. You know what else is? You can't help but be horny as well. I don't know about you, but I definitely get a little like semi turgid when I'm. Yeah. When I'm a little semi turgid. Semi turgid. <laughs> you got to keep it classy, you know. You gotta, yeah, yeah. I'm, I don't have a chub, Carl. I get semi turgid. Okay. Fair enough. I have I, an English degree, man. <laughs> I get the chubbies. You get semi turgid. I get semi turgid. Um. And this is one of those weird things we talked about when we talked <laughs> I about... I love the boner talk on our show. Man. Well, we like, just watched Enter the Void, true. which, you know... Okay, speaking of Enter the Void, d- f- give me some feedback here. Yeah. Because when I watched The Cell, unbelievably sexy movie. Yeah, it really is. It's so hot, but it's it shouldn't at all be hot. Because everything in this movie that is kind of hot is like serial killer shit and yeah. murders and... It's it's like it's so fetishy. It's that weird so... dark passenger thing that happens when you watch shows like Dexter. Yeah. Where you're seeing things that are horrific, but your brain is kind of clicking over into the not the I can understand that realm, but it's like there's a there's a weird thing that happens. Yeah. Which is why I had to stop watching Dexter. I was like understanding his philosophy. I'm like, I need to stop watching this. Like <laughs> right where you're like, this makes sense. Yeah, I'm like, oh, okay. But but yeah, man, it's a hot, hot fucking movie, and it, a lot of that has to do with. I mean, Jennifer Lopez is hot, fucking. Hot. And okay, some this movie knows that Jennifer Lopez. There's is a couple hot. of shots that are a little bit. D- this movie, this not a. It's not just a couple that are a little bit. It's when like, she's in, there's no reason for the panty shot when yeah. she's in her fridge at home. That exists so we can look at Jennifer Lopez's ass. Yes, and now to be fair. I'm okay with it. No complaints. Yeah, of course. You you see it, and Bird was Bird's the same way. She's like, ah, yes, we understand film. Jennifer Lopez is hot, but yeah. then at the end of the day, you're like, I mean, yeah, Jennifer Lopez is hot. Your your whole purpose as a film is to sh- sh- like show me stuff that I'm gonna want to look at. Mission accomplished. Right. And then she sits down and sparks up a J, and I was like, I don't remember this from the first time I watched this movie. I I didn't either. I'm like, she's having like some good weed. Yeah. And watching weird cartoons. That movie that she's watching, I can't remember what it's called, but that movie that she watches is on the Criterion channel. No shit. Yeah, Bird Bird and me and Bird, my brother, my dad, and my mom all watched that movie one day high here. Oh, my my mom and dad weren't high. But I was gonna say that's. The rest of us were a little toasted watching this cartoon, and so much chicken in my face right now. I know I'm picking like rice and stuff out with my, with my. I'm, I'm doing that. Pick, I'm picking it up. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I know. See, aren't the headphones great? They're you, great. You know what not to do. Um. So the basic. Let's set people up because this is kind of a. It's kind of a cool like science fiction film. Mm-hmm. It definitely has like. Um. We, we were talking about how like the theme of this month is psychological horror. This has some actual like psychology there's a lot of like sort of freudian dream stuff in here it's pretty it's pretty cool it's i differentiate this movie between just psychological horror and like cerebral horror Mm -hmm. because this quite literally takes place inside the majority of this movie happens inside people's minds and mostly in carl's mind because she, she's no longer the host, like when he takes over as host, that whole, yeah, this is, remember that scenario that we said would be bad? That scenario's happening now. He's the host brain now. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is some of the writing I have, I take issue with. I don't but know, I liked it, but okay. Dude, uh, all of the, all the pseudoscience in this has major problems and huge plot holes, like the microchip on her hand thing. Like, there's a bunch of stupid shit here. Yeah. Most of it, like, 
they would have done better to not try to explain any of the pseudoscience and just do the pseudoscience and let us like just accept that it's a thing that happens. I think they're playing the Frank Herbert game they where are. you have hard SF and then there's like the the soft SF. Yeah. So in the for those of you who aren't familiar like hard science fiction is science fiction that tries to explain and utilize the actual laws of physics, right. actual technology, things like that. Um, they try and be those novels try to be as scientifically accurate as possible. A lot of Isaac Asimov's stuff falls into this. Very much so. Back up, Lorna. Don't jump on the cables. Don't do it. Um, she's like, I want. I have thoughts. But then with like, she's gonna climb up on Mike. But then like things like Dune. You know, Frank Herbert's big epic masterwork, Dune. They're not explaining how the space travel's working. They're not explaining, like, oh, what kind of dro- warp drive is on you this spaceship. You kind of spaceship. understand how spice works, but not really. Yeah, they're not getting into, like... There's and religion it's, and science that are working together in tandem. And, like, it's... Yeah. I, I always feel... Like, Ray Bradbury is soft SF. Right. Because they're like, oh, humans land on Mars, they get off, and they colonate Mars. And you're like, well, wait, what... But do they have to terraform it first? Well, what sort of engine is... Do they have to hibernate in order to get to Mars? No one gives a fuck about any of that because it's Ray Bradbury and his point is not the tech. It's the story. That's how I feel about the cell where it's like they give you just enough like pseudoscience so that you understand the the conceptual process that's happening. You're like... Well, the blah blah blah, and she's gonna go into his mind to try and do a thing, but it's a one way. Th- blah, blah, blah. They give you just enough to know. Okay, here's the rules. She can go into his head, but she can escape at any time, and he can't go into hers. But it is possible to reverse that flow. They think that would be bad. Okay, that's all I needed to know. Right. And they just kind of couch it in enough sciency talk that it stands up for me as like sure. as like soft SF, you sure. know, semi turgid SF. <laughs> um. So basically, she's a child psychologist. Jennifer uh, Jennifer Lopez is a child psychologist who works with, um, as far as I can tell, just one patient, but m- maybe a couple, in a very specialized clinic. And these are kids who are in, a, in comas or catatonic states. And the one that she's principally working with is a schizophrenic, which mm-hmm. becomes important because that's almost exactly the situation that we're going to run into with Vincent D'Onofrio later right. in the film. So... In a in a nod, it must be a nod to this brilliant film. Okay, when I say brilliant, it's kind of slow and boring, but Stephen King lists it in Dance Macabre as one of the like most influential films for his career as a horror writer. It's a film called Coma. And there's a great shot in Coma. There's a bunch of shit in Coma that's... We should probably do Coma for the show someday. This is the Michael Douglas flick this you're is the, talking about? I think or- it's... It might be Michael Douglas. I might be misremembering the cast as well, sure. but I think it's Michael Douglas, and it's all about this... Um, facility that's set up to to do organ harvesting and this is only like kind of light spoilers for coma it's very cool Mm -hmm. um and but there's a famous shot in coma remember this is all practical this is not like they're just copy and paste cg'ing this shit it's a huge like warehouse facility floor and hanging from the ceiling through bolts run through all of their joints like through their Mm. hand like through their forearms upper arms like through like some of their skin and like through their knees are a bunch of comatose people hanging exactly like they do when they're in the dream state in the cell but it's a room of like a hundred of them and they did it practically and it looks so crazy dude 
when you see that many people hanging from like 70 yard long wires from the ceiling and they're all completely motionless and the lights come up fuck dude it's so scary man and you know of course they've got like one one band of tape covering their breasts and like one covering the crotch because really they're just meat right they're being harvested in coma yeah right so when i see the set when i saw the cell and you see like that setup that is so clearly a nod to coma especially because you're dealing with like coma patients and things like that so she she's been going into this that's how we actually open the movie is she's inside the mind of this comatose boy his name's eric i believe yeah eric mr e she calls him mr e edward edward that's what it is mr e um this is one of the only like complaints i have about this movie is that opening the opening sequence is really cool but the score is so fucking irritating okay so that is one of my big notes the howard shore score here gets in the way so often it's obnoxious. Mm. I don't. I don't care for it at all. I feel. I feel like it. It takes away from the movie. There's. I think there's a couple places where it's used to great effect. Ear, ear, ear. Y- yes. Well, one oh, of the. God. One of the moments I really like that is when they're rushing um, Vincent D'Onofrio. That's. Is it Carl? Sa- Carl Shager. Shager. Something or whatever. Yeah. Whatever. Carl. Carl. So when they're just so I don't get confused, and so we can keep saying this brilliant man's name, I'm gonna call him Vincent D'Onofrio. Thank you. <laughs> so um, when they when Vincent D'Onofrio later falls into his like schizophrenic coma, and they realize that there's a place they can take him where they can get into his head and maybe get the information that they need, when they're rushing him, and you get that shot on the helicopter, and they're like all of a sudden they're like wheeling a gurney, and it's like, and they're running towards the facility, and it's that long panning mm-hmm. shot. And then you see the woman on the upper level, like looking over one side of the railing, and then she crosses over to the other, and you look down, and it runs in, and the camera angles are really dynamic. And that's when the Howard Shore score in that scene, that that Howard Shore score comes in as like, it's very aggressive, very abrasive. But Bird pointed it out, and I totally agree. That catches a very dreamlike feel, where it's like suddenly, you know, it goes from like, well, he's in a he's in a catatonic state. There's no way that we can. Unlock the information that we need. It's like this kind of like slow. If there is, if I knew any way that we could possibly, yeah, wait. yeah, and then they're like, well, there might be one, and then the next thing you get is like, like the camera's mounted to the gurney and it's shaking, and you get blah, blah, blah. that is how like that's nightmare logic. Yeah, it felt dreamlike. So much of this movie, a lot of movies. There's another one, What Dreams May Come, but there's a lot of movies that kind of like are ostensibly trying to recreate the feeling of a dream. And so many movies get that wrong. Right. This does not. Enter the Void is a great example yeah. of catching the dream logic thing. Jacob's Ladder nails it. We watched a lot of movies this month that do that well. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that has to do with editing. How you move one scene into the next. Too many movies try and just... Reminded me of Eternal Sunshine a lot. That's another movie that catches yeah. the dream state really well. Because it's like sometimes mid-sequence... you. One of my favorite things in this movie is the way that up and down don't really seem They're to apply. They're interchang- completely interchangeable. There's this great shot when when um, she first goes into Vincent D'Onofrio's mind. That's the shot I'm thinking of, Dude, too. it's so good. When they're asking her to get the fuses, uh, that's no, crazy that is shit. Cr- oh, there's another thing, forced perspective shots. Yeah. In the very, I don't want to get distracted. Yeah, but yeah, remind yeah. me to come back to forced perspective in just a second. But when she first goes into Vincent D'Onofrio's mind, there's this shot where we come up through the water. We're like bubbling up through like layers of like rock, and then we come up through some water, and then we break the water, and we we're watching like a baptism. 
right? So we're at like water level and we're seeing this kid get back and then the camera goes up, 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 up. It's kind of like the midsummer shot where you're driving upside down for like a while. So we come and when we're like directly above, they like dunk this kid under and then now the camera's coming down the other side. So everything's starting to tip upside down and the slow way that the world tips upside down. I mean, yes, full Full, full, full transparency. Pretty high watching it, so it's. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm obviously going to be like a little more tuned into like the vertiginous effect of this shot, but, but you noticed it too, man. Yeah, dude. You start to feel like you're about to fall off the world, and you're like, oh shit, 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 shit we're going upside down, and it becomes your brain is doesn't want it to do that, but it doesn't just go upside down. It goes upside down, and then it comes down next to an actor, and that actor's hand comes down with the camera, timed with the shot, and then as his hand touches the water, we break the surface of the water, go underwater, go down past his leg. We're in the lake. We're completely going into the lake. His feet are on the top of the screen, but on the bottom of the... It's weird. Yeah, dude. his feet... His He's standing upside down, so we're, we're like going up his leg, kind of. And then we see his foot upside down on the bottom and then we go like into the lake bed and then it turns into like a rock hallway and you're like, oh, that was fucking awesome. We just went fully around and now we're in a hallway, but but something else, this doesn't feel right somehow. Is she, is she sleeping on the wall? And then you realize that we've come down into the hallway sideways and the camera starts to like bank like a fucking airplane mm-hmm. and it's all this like one beautifully edited continuous shot obviously there's an edit point there but you can't see it completely hidden perfect and it like banks sideways and then the world starts to spin like a like a fucking roulette wheel on its side until it's right ways up and you're like that was the most disorienting shot i've maybe ever seen and it's exactly how dreams feel yeah and that's our introduction to this like serial killer like hell realm so much of this movie nails that feeling. This is definitely a psychedelic film. Yeah. This is definitely a surrealist film. Yeah. Brilliant thriller. Great dra- like great dramatic film. Very intriguing science fiction elements to this. The performance I can't say every performance is like a hundred percent amazing, except one. Vincent D'Onofrio, this is like top three performances for him. I can't handle his fucking this performance is, in this flick, dude. It's unfucking real how good Vincent D'Onofrio is in this movie. I think when you were over for board game night, briefly we briefly talked about his performance as Kingpin in the Daredevil television series. Yes, one of the best villains I've ever seen. He's one of my favorite villains in comic books. Yeah, and definitely. then his story in that in the television show is incredible, and it's uh, it doesn't work without Vincent D'Onofrio. No, it definitely does. He, he is a very distinct yeah, actor. very much so. And he... Oh my, I, I, it, this performance just gives me, like, I don't understand how someone can go to the places he has to go mm-hmm. to make this a believable character. Because he's playing essentially three different versions of himself, Carl, in this movie. There's the... He's Well, he's the 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 god boy the boy god the like the you're talking about like the when, the ultimate where did you come the ultimate from? version of himself the, the snakehead one at the end yeah, yeah. that and then and you have his he is the at the peak of his serial killerness mm-hmm. that and struggling with his awkward boners sure but then you also have him when we see him in the tub this is my first victim I was so sloppy i think that's a third version I of agree. him 
it's like I totally agree because in the real world he's not like not really verbal and he's no. like very like shamed and blah 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 in his own mind he's you can't say normal but he's at least able to talk yeah he's clearly thinking and he's aware that what he's doing is I don't think he has a moral compass for it because this is not how his brain works. I think he does. Well, the, because of the child version of him knows. Pushes her out of the way of the horse. Warns her of his presence. Like, Remember in the end when they go into, when he goes into her mind? Yeah. When they're sitting there and he tells, when he tells Jennifer Lopez the story about drowning the bird in the sink. Mm-hmm. That's the for me. That's the key. What what disturbs me most about the cell is a lot of times when you get these serial killer movies, it's like they killed because they're like fucked up and like right. their brains are all weird and it makes them like do weird bad they stuff. They hear voices. When you watch this movie and you're paying attention, you can, if you so choose, understand why. Vincent D'Onofrio is killing these women and why he's doing it the way that he is. Well, Jennifer Lopez's character certainly goes there. She sees and understands. Well, yeah, like literally, she right. says to Vince Vaughn, she's like, I feel things. When I'm inside their head, I understand and feel everything I'm seeing because I, I'm inside that perspective. And right. she's like, I don't want to go back in there because I don't want to feel that way again. But like, here, let me parse it for you really sure. quick to see if you if you picked up on it too, or if this is just my brain like throwing off random sparks, just trying Love to keep it. myself grounded. So at the end of the movie, he tells Jennifer Lopez this story while he's inside her mind, and she's trying to, because there are three versions of Vincent D'Onofrio in his own head. There's the innocent childlike version that she's trying to appeal to. There's the let's say real version of right. him, which is him as an adult, cognizant of his crimes, understanding. The situation like okay well we're inside each other's minds and she's trying to get the location of this last victim of mine um she's also trying to empathize with me in a weird way and he's sort of forming a rapport with her and then there's also what i think is a personification of dexter's dark passenger that is is exactly they even call the dark passenger out yeah in this flick too do they They call it something different there yeah when vince vaughn is having that conversation with Jennifer Lopez outside little atrium conversation that they have. He talks about like we all kind of have the that going. What's his on. name? Grimes or something? Grimes or yeah. So he's like, yeah. But he mentions it. He doesn't call it a dark passenger, but it's exactly what he's talking about. She says, "Do you believe there's a part of yourself that you right. never show to anybody else?" Yeah, exactly. And he's like, "Yes, I believe we all have that part of us." Which is, I love that they they verbalize that because with all this. And this is a brief sidebar, but all this talk today about like, well, one day, man, we're going to have brain chips and we'll just be able to go into each other's heads and we'll just be able to read minds. And I'm like, I don't know if no, that's not a good idea. Yeah, I'm like, are, is, is any, are you guys not self-aware enough to realize that you don't want people in your head? Too much random shit pops up in there. Dude. Anybody who listens to this show and listens to you and me talk about Midsummer, Hereditary, do you really want to be able to go in and experience like the totality of how my brain works? I really don't think so. There's a lot of shit. This, this, imagine this. Everything that I say into this microphone, there's 70% of like further further thought and like weird, like dark squirreliness. We do all, I think we all have that segmented. Man, that's fucked. So what you're saying is all the dumb shit I say has already gone through a bunch of filters, and these are the words that I have selected. <laughs> like, of all the God things I can choose from, it. these were why, my... <laughs> why were these the words? <laughs> but, I mean, I, I don't know. I do think that there are that we all have, like, this 
there's like part of the social contract is constructing a palatable personality to express. Exactly. Because if you believe in, you can either you can pick Jung, pick Freud, whatever. Let's use Freud because most people are familiar with the idea of like id, ego, and superego, right? Right. The superego is the only facet of our personality that we interact with with each other every day. That's the part that like. If you got into somebody's head, you could experience their id. Hmm. Do you really want to experience what Freud believed was nothing but but like raw violence and raw not not like love making but like raw carnal fucking and violence. The id is supposed to be like this super brutal driving force behind all humanity. Right. And then it's translated into the ego and what the ego does is it says, "All right, the it is basically going like, I want to fucking kill blood, blood, kill, fuck, blood. And then it, the, the, the id is... Um, the urge. The urge, well, it's, daddy want to fuck, it's him. That's the ego. But that's the ego. The, Shit. The, id is, the id is just like the color red throbbing at yeah. you and then like, the, it's raw. It's totally raw. It's not translated. It's just the urge to do... Broadly, violence or sex. This is a Freudian idea. A lot yeah. of it's discounted, but this is this is the concept. The ego takes that urge and says, "Oh wow, okay, you want to well, let's see what is that in the real world. The real world that'd probably be sex and killing people that you don't like. Okay, let's do those two things, and it kicks it up to the super ego. It says we would like to have sex with everyone and kill everyone that we don't want to have sex with, and then the super ego goes. That's fucked up. Yeah, but we can't do that. Can't do that. So how about we satisfy the sexual urge that's coming up from the id translated through the ego by... And then now when you get into Freud, the superego translates sex into like creative or procreative or whatever. Like, let's make art. That's that's a translation of the sexual urge to Freud. Or let me find a lover or let me find a partner or let me read a book. Let me build something. Let me write some music. And then the violence urges, those are translated into like destructive things or like um, things that spend energy. Like I'm going to go work out. I'm going to go boxing. I'm going to go hunting. Go climb a mountain. Yeah. And of course, like obviously I'm not, I'm doing doing Freud in 60 seconds, you know, but (laughs) Freud in 60 seconds starring Nicolas Cage and Angelina Jolie. But, uh, but you know, like that's the thing is the cell. When people say, like, one day we'll all be able to read each other's minds, I just want to be like, watch the cell. Yeah. And then tell me if that's what you want to do. Because I, I don't, don't think you do. I really don't think that you want to go inside people's brains. Because this movie kind of shows what it might be like, <laughs> you know? You take, I, you even pop it, you t- choose a pr- Mother Teresa. Yeah. You probably don't want to go she's in there. She's a bad example because she's literally like a fucking evil monster human being who in, like believed that the best way to get to know God was to suffer. So she like, embra- right. she like embraced the suffering of like starving, impoverished people. She was kind of an evil person, in my opinion. Oh, interesting. In my opinion. I don't know all those things. Um, watch Penn and Teller's bullshit on oh, Mother I Teresa. Um, I haven't watched that episode. She, You can just, just, just YouTube like... Mother Teresa bad you know do that sure. do that modern thing but I don't know there's that's a, that's there's how some, you research things is you google it you don't have to google it but fi- she is not necessarily what people think of you know but the point is yes. take take a a person that, that has is considered to be Gandhi or some such a Keanu Reeves Ke- say Keanu Reeves you don't want to go in Keanu Reeves no head. 
You don't. Nope. You want to spend time with Keanu Reeves and interact with him on a human level and then internalize those lessons and then bring those lessons right. to your own life. You don't want access to the raw feed because it's going to fuck you up. We can it would barely, fuck us up. That's be, that's why we don't have access to the raw feed, no, even in our own brains. We can barely handle our own impulses most of the time. And now I know some of you out there are like, well, I meditate every day and I have control of my primal urges. That's awesome. I don't. <laughs> right. You know, like stay, maybe I'll go hang out in your brain as like a vacation, but you definitely don't want to reverse that stream, baby, because then you're going to be like, you watched a lot of Hannibal while you were Sure did. <laughs> but no, so when, so when Vincent D'Onofrio's in her brain, he says... I guess, brief context, she sees his childhood inside his mind, and it is fucking horrific. It's one of the worst things I've ever seen. Very. Oh, my God. The, the ab- abuse of that, of that young child is horrific. Harrowing. Yeah. Very hard to watch, especially knowing that it is but a sort of like a pale echo of what exists in the world for yeah. real. Well, we don't see any of it, and we actually aren't forced to you sit wanna, in it very you long. You want to be a woman? Then you're going to learn to iron like a woman. Yeah. Oh Dude, man, it's rough, man. It's really playing with fucking dolls and the whole f- the don't, the yeah, other f word. There's a lot, and you know what? Yeah. This is one movie. This is one movie where you you oh, that where that word is allowable because it's being because it's being used in a reprehensible way, almost to show you that using that word this way is reprehensible. Right? You know what I mean? Like, there's so many movies from the early 2000s that don't fly anymore because they just like, dude, where's my car? Well, even freaking Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Yeah. You know, like where they sling around the other F word and you're like, guys, you can't say that. That's really offensive to say that. In this movie, when you see that, you're like, that's insanely offensive because that person is a very offensive. Well, it's showing what that word does yes. when it's said. Yes. It's that word. Like, I'm never going to be one of those people who says like words are literally violence. They're not. Right. If you, they do have power, though. Yeah, words have power for sure. Words are not violent, but like anybody who says like, "Well, words don't really hurt you," sticks and stones. Well, you, no one ever insult you because it feels bad. Yeah, it's not a good day. So we've seen Vincent D'Onofrio's childhood and the absolutely dis- disturbing abuse that he suffered, and it's bad. And that scar on his chest finally takes shape, and you understand what it is. That what that fucked me up. You see his naked chest prior to that scene, and he's scarred, mm-hmm. but it doesn't actually take shape and understand what it is until after the iron scene, and it's very clear that that is an iron that has not just Taken been held up. there, it has traveled. Yeah. He was ironed. His dad ironed his flesh. His fucking skin. Yeah. You guys, you knew this wasn't going to be like the lightest month ever. It's psychological horror movies, but yeah, we like... So when we get him, and I love the decision not to have the child tell the story, but to pop it over to him as an adult. This, yeah. We've seen this guy kill people. We've seen him murder women and handle bodies like they're sacks of flour. Like they're nothing. And that's super important that we see him go through the final process of it up to dumping the body. Only D'Onofrio could do this. Yep. Like. <laughs> Absolutely. This is... is it, I know, dude. My arms ache with goosebumps. Today has been a goose flesh kind of day, man. It's like the day of goosebumps, man. So he sits down and he goes, when I was a little kid, and I'm not going to, I will I will not insult Vincent D'Onofrio's performance by by trying to replicate it at all. Just watch the movie. He's good. Mm -hmm. Um, So he's basically like, when I was a little kid, I found a bird. It was injured. And I love how he tells, this 
The writing in this is so good. 48% fuck you, whoever. Yeah, right? But like, I found this bird and it was injured. Uh, broken wing or, or something, I don't remember. That is crucial. Think about that, man. He found this injured bird. But but the injury was not the part of the story because just because he the point wasn't to heal the bird. Nope. So he doesn't even remember what the injury was. Just that he want he cared for this little bird and felt empathy towards it and felt like he like protective of it because here was another small thing that had been hurt by the world. Right. And he knew that if his dad found it, his dad was going to do something horrible to it. I just knew it. So I took it to the sink and I held it under until it stopped moving. And I saved it from my dad. By killing it. By killing it. Now, take that story. And he says, now, okay, he says that story and it immediately does two things. It unlocks yeah. everything that he's done in the movie so far. That combined with what we've seen of the baptism, you can parse his entire methodology, which is yep. amazing because Bird pointed out, this is a very intricate fetish that That's he has. That's my note that I have is this is one of the most intricate and it, what blows my mind is is trying to parse like how he discovered each element that was important because there had to be some trial and error. We see... Attempt number one. It's a bloody girl in a bathtub with her guts in a bowl. Yeah. He hasn't figured it out yet. So that's such a mess. That is one of the most fucked things for me. Like how many were there and how long did it take him to, by trial and error, discover this process that works perfectly for him? Everything from the bleaching the body to the drowning to when it's when it's time to suspend over her, when it's time like that's a baptism in bleach. Yeah, what I love about this, just to because it's important now, one of the things that I love the most about this flick that does differently than the most I've seen is the way that they um, inform or kick the ball over to the next scene by saying something or revealing something that is similar but not the same. For instance, when Jennifer Lopez is looking in the fridge, and I think it's her cat comes up to her, yeah, and she says, "Oh, what's going on, Kitty? You want some milk?" Yeah, and then we cut to Vincent D'Onofrio pulling the girl out of bleach, which looks like a, a tub full of milk. Yeah, this cloudy looks like they're, yeah. I mean, it probably this is movie a tub does full of that milk, but all the time, like constantly, where it's something that's. It's not milk. It's just something that looks like milk, and you might not even notice it, but the movie is like tying one scene to the next with this little thread of... And I love that he... You know, like, the, the this is a much subtler thing than I think that it appears on the surface. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you could watch The Cell at, in college and just be like, man... Because it's a spectacle. It is. This is a definite spectacle movie. This is Mandy. You know, this yeah, is dude. like... This is not that Well, that, that was extreme, my first couple watches of this. I own this on, on DVD. I've had this movie for years. I bought it, yeah. Definitely. You know? And, and when I would sit people down to watch this flick, it wasn't... Because, hey, guys, you need to sit down and watch this incredibly dense, like... It's going to blow your mind because of the psychology involved, but mm-hmm. more of the, dude, you need, this is the crazy shit I've ever seen. I'm going to put this movie like in the neighborhood of as good as seven. It's, it's very similar. There's enough. Yeah, dude. Like, There's a lot of like seven when or. It um, kind of even looks like Fincher shot it sometimes. A little bit. Well, Not I, taken away from the film, but like that's like high praise, man. Fincher shoots a beautiful This flick. movie is shot like and feels like if Gilliam Kubrick and the Wachowskis had a love child. Yes, yes, absolutely. Completely Gilliam agree with first. That. 
<laughs> like completely agree so with that. So much Gilliam here, dude. Who it's sh- wild? Who, who did what dreams may come? Oh, I don't fucking remember. I don't either. Yeah. I was hoping it was like a name that we would all Not that recognize, I'm, yeah, but shit. but like some of the stuff in hell where. You know, like you stepping can, on the on the sea of faces. That that is the one I'm thinking of. Like, there's yeah. there's stuff in here that's like that. And one of my favorite elements of this movie is, Carl. You and I have watched a lot of movies. I've shot a movie. Awesome. I've read a lot about. Dude, done some film schooly type stuff. So, are you gonna look up who directed What Dreams I ha- May Come? I have to. Good, now. good. Um, but like, the effects that we see that blow our minds the most are easy. And that's what I, one of the things I love about this movie is it, it doesn't rely on the huge budget, the huge VFX. It relies on, is that the guy? Vincent Ward is the director of What Dreams May Come. It, it relies on fairly simple, very cheap effects. I'm sure that we have derailed and that there's, there's some sort of like dang, like dangling thread that we never resolved. But in the opening sequence, when Jennifer Lopez is riding the horse and she gets off the horse and she starts walking up the sand and turns back and the horse has turned into a giant um, figurine of a horse. And she smiles. And she smiles like, oh, he's turned it into a giant figurine of a horse because this is dream logic. That's not a giant figurine of a horse. That's a tiny figurine of a horse very close to the camera. Yep. And she is far in the distance because when you first see it, if you're not looking for forced perspective or, or whatever, or like camera trickery, you're like, damn, because it is a physical object that you're seeing. You're like, they carved a huge fucking horse. They no, didn't. It's a, it's a little it's a, figure. It's a it's little a chess piece. Yeah. It's a little miniature figurine that they put close to the camera and it works. It totally works. The first time after, after that sequence where we see the baptism and we go under the water and we go into the hallway and then the camera like spins us or like a roulette wheel. And then we're like, now we're upright and she starts walking around and she looks in that room and there's the, Dude, the black dog shaking blood off of it in slow motion while the tub sloshes oh blood back and forth and there's blood sp- spraying and sloshing. That to me felt like a Nine Inch Nails video. A lot of this feels music video-y in the best way. Remember, no, exactly. Remember we watched... I don't mean that as a knockout. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we watched... Or like like a... like. Like a corn exactly, music video or something. Dude, yeah. you know, like Deer and Gray, like 2004. You know, but... um. Remember we watched one hour photo and that guy had only done like Marilyn Manson music videos before right, that. Right. And then you watch one hour photo and you're like, oh, I just want to watch macro shots of a photo machine for yes, the rest dude, of my life. People should make two hour music videos because they look fucking awesome. Anyone who's like, well, he got his start in music videos. I'm like, oh, you mean his whole job was dynamic dude, and interesting. Ridley images? Scott got his his career started for like a decade in doing commercials. You, so eat shit. Well, I, Ernest Hemingway, Stephen King, Neil Gaiman all got their start as journalists. Mm-hmm. You learn, you don't start by being like crazy Picasso. <laughs> no. You start by getting really fucking good at getting the information across in a compelling way in a short amount of time. And figuring out what your palette is. Yes. Because like when people complain about that, like, oh, just music videos, I don't want to... Th- th- their Could whole, you shoot a music their whole job is to tell a story and in three and a half minutes in three and a half minutes and blow your mind with what you're seeing so that you don't look away from it. Yeah. And then now if you're good at doing that as the one hour photo guy is as as some of these like music video looking films are and you blow that out to two hours that becomes Mandy and fucking hereditary and the cell yep. and Jacob's ladder and enter the void and show so many movies are like, I put it on a stick, and now I'm going to introduce some heavy concepts. So like I said in the in the in the shootout, I'm like, it can be over over two shot, 
great. Yeah. And look, I'm I'm there for like, and the camera never moves, and everyone acts, and it's art. I'm like, yeah, I get it. It's art, and I'm there for art house films. Sure. But but I'm not going to be like screaming into the microphone and blowing my levels out and enthusing about it. What I do that for is the type of shit that bends my brain and then flips it inside out, and then it shows me something I've never seen. And it scares me and it unnerves me and it I and like even with something like Brokeback Mountain if I can freeze frame this film and then put that up as art in my house then you're Jaws. it's a visual medium if you're just laying like I'm into Russian literature and here's a thousand pages of dialogue but you're not showing me anything I'll just go read the book you know fuck you <laughs> not you Carl like no 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 bless I- you sir but um, <laughs> I so, read I read one of my notes says barefoot Merlot is one of the worst things I've ever put in my mouth. Is actually one of the notes I made. <laughs> That's why I was not able to take notes last night. As I told you before, I told you before we started rolling. Like I had my notebook at the start, and I went to reach for my pen at one point, and I was like halfway to reaching for my pen, and I'm like, don't even remember what I'm gonna write as soon nope. as I pick this up. And then Bird was like, this is pointless. You're missing the movie. As I'm like staring at my pen, and I'm like, all right, this is not a notes kind of night. Um, but when when that dog is shaking off, mm-hmm. that is an awesome shot. And it's super important that that dog is black. What kind of dog does he have in the real world? An albino. That's right. So we see some like mirror imagery type stuff. Mm-hmm. We see what more importantly, the what we see gang. dualities all yeah, over. Man. Here's how they did the dog shot. If you watch it, you're like, how'd they get the tub to slosh, but also the dog to, and then this? They took a black dog and they threw it in a tub of blood. It jumped out. And they shot the Shook whole. They shot the whole thing in slow mo. That's why the tub is sloshing. They were like, "Andy's in," and then he jumps out, and it disturbs the tub, and the tub starts sloshing, and then he shakes off. And they pick the best chunk of that slow mo footage. And that's it. And that's it. Brilliant, dude. Brilliant. When Vincent, when we first meet the dark passenger Vincent D'Onofrio, and he's sitting on his the god throne, boy. the god boy, the Emperor Xerxes version god. of fucking Mucky Vincent D'Onofrio. What did he call no, him? No, Muckaluck is the um is oh, Mr. Mr. E's e. guy. Yeah. This yeah. is they don't really have a name for this guy. He's That's just right, like because he's brand new. He's the murderer. Yeah. He's the dark pa- I I mean he when we first see him, you almost wonder if Zack Snyder stole Xerxes' reveal from this. Because think about it. How much Persian influence is in this film, dude? Well, the I believe the director is Indian. Fair. I'm not a hundred percent positive, but um when I was lo- doing like my very cursory research last night. I clicked on him again, dude. Sorry, edible. No, it's all right. But I like clicked on him, and I I think he's an Indian director. And they were there was some note about how, that's why you hear like the flutes and the like the heavy Indian influence in the Howard Shore score. Interesting. So I think that also comes through in a lot of the visual elements too. Yeah. To this movie's um, benefit for sure. When we first meet Vincent D'Onofrio and he's sitting, uh, the the dark passenger version, in his and he's throne room. So he, and he's got I like that all of the iterations of him as an adult. Have, have the, the rings, the rings, including the dark passenger. And, but they're used for a different purpose. They're his. It's like what ties him to exactly. to that thing. So he's got this. He's got like these two, um, these two bolts of purple. Purple, the the uh, the color of royalty, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, these two bolts of beautiful like silken fabric tied through his um, through the hooks on his back, and. So much of this movie is like Rube Goldberg, t- t- trinkety, so. t- little, 
like this wire goes to that wire and it sets this machine in motion and it's like you were saying mac give me macro shots of photo machines <laughs> yeah exactly give me more of like vincent d'onofrio's like oh, that. like the uncuffing of the woman and the things are all tick, 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 yeah when like yes oh all God, of the little dude. like clockwork people that happen yeah, but when when we first meet the he's got so he's got his his like purple cape it goes out the back of his throne right because there's there's like a slot cut in his throne and they're like almost like angel wings go they're connected to his back and they go through this slot in the back of his throne and then they go off to either side cover the entire wall behind him yeah well they they hang like a big huge like 10 foot wide tapestry that go up all the way to the ceiling and then they go like like down most of the wall and then they hang across the wall, like pinned behind these upright. It's hard to describe. You're gonna have to watch it. Like giant pins spinning, like they're on like spinners too. Like yeah, the back of the. It's they're weird. almost like like each corner of the wall has essentially like a rolling pin. Yeah. Ish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Holding the cloth to that corner so that it lays flush against the walls, like like a hanging tapestry or wallpaper, and it's all hooked up to his back. And when the huge naked bodybuilder chick brings in Jennifer Lopez and dumps her at the foot of the stairs and she's like barely coming out of it. Have you ever seen it? Like a shot? Like, I mean, obviously this we've seen a lot of This stands for me as one of the most incredible shots I've ever seen. It's, I mean, it's, it's a, it's one of the, the hallmark moments of this movie in it particular. Is. It is. It's a, it's a trailer shot for sure. It's we like, see that's, it in the trailer. that's going in a trailer, boy. That's yeah. a fucking shot right there. I wonder how many takes. You know, I don't know, dude. He stands up, and Bird was like, it's a, "It's a mix of CG and actual cloth." Yes, too. it is. It it's at least yeah. There's definitely a lot of visual effects in this film, but there's also a lot of practical work. And I think you're right. I think this shot is a blend of the of two yeah. of those two things because he stands up, and as he walks forward, it starts pulling the fabric off the walls through that center line of the throne. So as he Wild. goes. It's, you've read Todd McFarlane's Spawn. Mm-hmm. These bolts of cloth hanging off his back are like 200 yards long and like 20 yards wide, and it becomes one flowing grand cape beyond any you know cowl or train that you've ever seen on any royalty ever. And it's the embodiment of evil walking down this these steps. He's got the black, like, warlike makeup on, and I love the voice effects that they do to show the influence of the Dark Passenger, especially when they're showing Vincent D'Onofrio fairly normal in his own mind, but then you can hear the 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 other one start to, the dark oh side starts God, speaking dude. through his voice, and he gets down, and he goes, where do you come from? And she goes, she screams and bails out of his brain. That's amazing. Yep. That's amazing. Yep. So, so I was, I was in the, I got distracted by the glory of no, the, the visual elements of this, but let me continue to parse his methodology of murder sure. really quick. So the title of the film is called The Cell. And let me, let's just cover the cells that are in this. There's uh, basically every room in Vincent D'Onofrio's house is a cell when they see his, like his bedroom that it's very like, like, um. Like cl- like cloister like you know it's like this little yes. this little set like monastic cell at the top of his house. You've got the water torture cell where he drowns his victims. While we're there, let me brief aside. You notice when he comes in, um, a lot of this movie we talked about this with, um, I think the Neon Demon. How visually they'll structure a shot 
so that as an actress walks through, there's like these crossbars that segment her body. Right. Into, and that was very appropriate for that film. This film, when he first goes to like the silo where he's killing these women, he opens that door. Talk about cinematography. You can't. It's like Enter the Void where you're just like, well, what do you say? The movie looks fucking great yeah. top to bottom. <laughs> Otherwise, you just spend the whole movie being like, and this looks cool, and this looks cool. Oh my and this god, looks every cool. shot. Shit, Jesus. It's glorious. You just go through the shot list, and you're like, okay, they're all A pluses. I don't know what to say. Yeah, you're like, A plus, A plus, A plus. I guess this one's like an A. And then A plus, A plus, A plus. You're like the B unit shot one A shot. Right, you know? yeah. But uh, he, he kicks that, like, forces the door open. Great detail. Of course, that door would be sticky. Yeah. You know, bangs that door open, and it boom, cuts off. The rest of the hallway that's behind it so the light comes in and he steps in and it frames him a lot of this is to frame vincent d'onofrio so that he is looking into box-like state places or looking into cells or is physically in a cell sort of structure um so when he walks in and sees his the first victim that we see who we think is dead at this point god right? damn it this fucks me up dude yeah she's just like floating because he's walking down a dark hallway dark hallway dark hallway and you're like all right he's walking down a dark hallway and then he turns left and there's a there's a 10 foot by 10 foot glass sided tank filled with water with a drowned woman floating in it suddenly it it is very startling you know what fucks me up most about that shot and i don't know why it's the it's the debris in the water the couple of like used coffee cups and bits of like paper and food Mm -hmm. Just fucks me up because that tells you that she was alive, right? You you don't see the you don't see the death occur. You see the end of it, kind of. And so there's a she's not really there's a quite. couple of throws that happen, but it's just so fucked up that 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 little touch of adding some debris in there yeah. to inform you that she was alive and not long ago because there are coffee cups, there's some leftover food, a napkin that are all floating in there with her. Signs of life. This in one hour photo would be a great double feature. Absolutely. Yeah. If you want to go do some murder afterwards, It'd like be, Jesus. Yeah, you might not be like in the best spot after, but th- can you imagine pairing them, man? They'd be Dude, so good. It's I'm, a great double feature. But so you're right, like the debris, one of the thing, the little detail cuz again, this is it is a spectacle and the first time you see it, you're you're so blown away by it that you miss a lot of the like the the the, the flotsam that's floating yeah. in the water. And one of the things that I love is when he he like walks over and the sh- the shot is shot such that it it's just him. You can't see anything but into that cell and it's like the cell full of water and the water's like a maybe a little tiny bit blue, you know? So it looks like he's like under the ocean, mm-hmm. you know, or it or you can't tell if she's in a cell full of water or if he's in a cell full of air and the world outside That's is insane. flooded. It's very cool. And he like puts his hand up, right? This is that Vincent D'Onofrio thing. Because he puts his hand up and he's kind of like just rubbing the glass and sort of looking in at her. And he curls. It's foreplay for him. And you know, like we talk about hand acting, right? He curls only his pointer finger. Mm-hmm. He like he goes to like scratch down the glass with his hand, but he doesn't make a fist. He just curls the pointer, and you're like, mm-hmm. I love that detail. Yeah. Then she starts to like thrash. It's essentially like like death throws. Like yeah. she must have just just died. drowned. Dude. Either she just drowned, or like she's almost but not quite dead, and this is kind of the end. Yeah. And when she kicks, it's disturbing. The, that 
shout out to that actress because we really only see her as a dead person. Yeah. We don't get to see much acting. This is the only time she moves in the whole movie. Although Bird did spot her breathing at one point. Nah, but that's whatever. It's hard, dude. It's hard to be dead on screen. Very difficult. Especially when you got a Vincent D'Onofrio hovering over your body. And you're totally nude, so you can't hide the breath. You right. know what I mean? But like that kick, that spasm really crawls it's it crawls india you're yeah. it's, well, very, it's his reaction to it as well that's he just, flies from the glass man he's like <laughs> other side of the room disgusted by it turns his back hits the chair and gets a hand on his dick yep he when he gets over to the chair he has one hand up by his face like kind of working you know he's like yep. like rubbing what's the 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 Jim Carrey, Matthew uh, Matthew McConaughey parody of the Lincoln commercial. Oh, the, do I just yeah, keep, do I just keep r- rolling, rubbing this my, rolling this bugger? Do I flick it? Yeah. <laughs> do I flick this bugger? I just keep rolling it around, you know, like yeah. that. But he's doing that up by his face. But you're right. Like, as soon as she moves a little, he runs across the room, hits the chair, grabs his crotch, and starts like, everything's okay, everything's okay, everything's okay. And you don't, at, when you first see it, that reads as like, Okay, Vincent D'Onofrio's being a weird serial killer. Right. But it, but his... Remember, Vince, Vince Vaughn is trying to get... He's a criminal profiler. He's getting into this guy's head. And when you've seen this movie once and you go back through, you start to play the same game because you know the important key, the drowning of the bird in the sink. Yep. So you're like, he is a like a missionary killer, which is a category of killer who believes that they're like either killing people for God. Like a lot of times they'll kill prostitutes because those are unclean. You're saving them from their own sin or whatever. Or you're purging them from the earth or God wants you to do this, but he's kind of a missionary killer. I think he feels like he's saving them. I agree. Yeah. So when he sees that, sees her thrash, you know, and I'm not, this is not, that's not like the, because there's two sides to him. Remember? Yeah, exactly. There's the little boy and that is informing him cleaning or like say, saving these people, saving these women. I'm saving them from the worst things in the world that are even more worserer. But then there's also the snake-headed guy that we see at the end, and I believe that that is the essentially like the psychic residue of his father. Yeah. So you have this brutal, horrible, cruel killer. That's that dis- disgusting resin that was left from all the abuse. And- yeah. And those two things coexisting create this bizarre pathology of both salvation but also like sexual perversion and cruelty because he he sl- he pours water in and then stops the water and then pours some more water yeah, and there's stops. there's a bit of mental torture it's going torture on there. it's 40 hours of torture we find out that this thing is totally automated on a 40 hour cycle with four cameras aimed at it. he's got four angles so he films this like horrible long form psychological torture killing but the underlying like psychopathy behind it the thing that's motivating this like really disturbing and wretched like methodology of murder is this desire to like save these perceived these perceived like Mm. objects of innocence we also get a, a suggestion or a hint that possibly he has been like sexually injured by his father because yeah. there's the like dirty little worm snip snip bit yeah i wonder if the, which is lifted from red dragon actually is that, it really yeah there's a in red dragon in the book um dollar hyde's grandmother he dollar hyde when he's a little boy wets the bed and his grandma like drags him out of his bed and takes him to the bathroom and strips him naked and takes a pair of scissors and puts it at the base of his penis and says you know at little little boys who wet the bed lose their penis and she like 
squeezes enough to draw blood and dollar hide becomes forever after like like very fearful and it creates this weird like this weird merging of like a person touching your penis and making making like fear and horror and pain and then tying that metaphorically to your sexual like the root of your sexuality or the root of your sex or whatever you want to say some of that pops up here too and you know i was thinking as i was watching this vincent d'onofrio would make such a good buffalo bill such a good buffalo bill man (laughs) vincent d'onofrio would make a such a good enter character name here he could do almost anything he's got such range we talked about him in Men in Black, which is like this goofy well, ass. Isn't movie. he the head detective on like CSI Los Angeles or yeah. some shit? Like <laughs> yes, he's good at that. Too. Or special victims unit. Yeah, and we see him play like a, a sort of like slower, maybe possibly low grade mentally handicapped person in Full Metal Jacket. Yep. It, it, his range is unbelievable, and his willingness to commit to outlier moments. We were talking about this the other day. Let's not forget fucking the Egger suit. In Men in, in Black. In Men in Black, yeah, when he's he's just he's playing this like melting alien like insect Bug inside, yeah, inside inside a, a human, human suit. skin, yeah. and he's and you every time you see him, you're like his all of his movements say that his limbs are like squished up in there. Yep, you know, like he he's very he's good. He's very aware of like the physicality of his performance, how he's what he's doing with his voice, and I, f- I feel like he's one of those actors who knows all the stuff that you need to know. Like yeah. he knows why this guy's killing these women. This oh, absolutely. Way. And there's enough clues in the movie that we can kind of cobble together our own ideas about it. But I think Vincent, he knows for sure what his version of Carl is. He knows everything. Yep. He knows, he knows what I think he might even really be feeling, you know, I, and I don't know if he's a method actor or not. I just know that what I'm seeing on screen leads me to believe that he's feeling what his characters are feeling because he knows yeah. What those feelings are so intimately. I've only had to like barely touch the surface of anything close to that with Uncle Ernie and Tommy. Yeah. I can't even fucking imagine, dude. Like this is this is the type of performance that I respect because of the cost that I assume it comes yeah. with, you know? Well, I was reading a bit of trivia that upon watching the flick, his wife refused to sleep in the same bed with him for like a month because of his performance was so like believable. I believe it. She's I, like, I can't I love you. And you're great, and the movie was great, but but can you sleep in the other room for like until I'm okay you did, you with did you? Too great. You done did too good. You're too Vin, Vinny. You nailed Vinny, it, Vinny. I need you to sleep in the guest room. To, I'm applauding. Uh, for, I'm a I'm applauding from know, way over I'll here. I'll let you know when <laughs> yeah. you can come back. Here. Bye. Locks the door. Puts a wedge underneath. She's got a New York lock on. And the then inside. you know he just he just delivered like this powerhouse performance, and he's sleeping at like the Motel Six down right. the street. You know, <laughs> but. I love that he turns away from that that woman's like last spasms because the and when well, who else what other aspect of himself do we see run and cower the child the child yep you know we see the claws of the reptile as it looks at the dead body but then there's a thrash and you real he realizes you know he's he's not present for the death it's all through screens it's all through he cameras. rewatches it but not. He's like divorced from it in a way. So I, th- I think here's what's going on. There, there's those two elements of him. There's the dark passenger and the child. And the child is doing this to save these women. And the dark passenger is doing it because it's a bleak, dark, extremely disturbing sexual fetish that's been tied into his, the abuse that he suffered as yeah. a child. What's, the, what's that famous saying? Hurt people hurt people? Mm-hmm. Um, so the, 
he does it separately so that the child only really has to interact with what's left. Right. And he, you know, he drains the tub and that the kid doesn't want to look because the kid was saving this person. The kid was saving them from the horrors of the world. And I didn't want to, I mean, the, it's sad that you had to die, but that's the other part of me that did that. I, and right. I think it's not, you know, this is 2000. So when they say schizophrenic, it's not might, quite what they mean. They might mean like low grade multiple personalities right. a little bit. Schizophrenic, the word gets thrown around a lot right. in pseudopsychology in not well in the real world, but mostly in, in cinema, especially before it was like truly understood. I think there's less than like less than ten or fifteen documented cases of multiple personality disorder in the entirety of human history right. that I'm aware of. So when people are like, "Yeah, man, totally schizophrenic, man," she had like multiple personalities. I'm like, "Well, then she's a fucking outlier because right. there's only <laughs> been ten ever." You know what I'm saying? Like, this is not something. And like the big hallmarks of schizophrenia are like, you know, standing in catatonic states, being like re- totally res- like uh, not. Like on being unaware of pain, mm-hmm. you can put these people in like really unusual, uncomfortable positions, and they'll stay that and she way. She says something interesting about about the um, about schizophrenia, where most of the time it gets misdiagnosed um, as um, autism. autism. Yeah, which you can see, you know, yeah. like. Um, but so after he drain, so he drains the water out of the tank, and then the next thing, you know, then we cut back and. You know, J Lo is you know smoking her weed, smoking her bro, big fat fucking, goober, man. You know, cat, do you want some like milk, bro? <laughs> I'm gonna hit the fridge for some grub, bro. Some Scooby Snacks. Cut back to lifting dead woman out of a tub full of bleach. And here's the thing: we we mentioned this earlier, like the subtlety of this movie, because it looks like a tub of milk, and that's what your brain immediately thinks. Because you just heard milk. But then in the background of the of the wide. When we cut to the wide and we see him like lift her out of the tub, ranged along the back wall are like thirty jugs of bleach. So you then your brain you're like, oh, okay, she's in bleach, and that explains like her hair is completely blonde, her skin is completely like bleached white, her eyes are like fully blown bloodshot and out. blown out and kind of yellowy, you know. Um, and it's, I mean, well, there you go. We've seen that childhood memory, and here it is. It's the baptism. And it's baptism in bleach. I am cleansing you. It Completely kills, clean. It kills all the everything, and you are brought back to this white, like blank sheet. It's angelic in a weird. I mean, obviously the eyes are kind of fucked up, and everything about this is fucked up. But when you're trying to parse the methodology, you're like, okay, you're re- you're recreating this traumatic baptism. And remember, he says in J Lo's head later on, when he was baptized, he had a fit. Yeah. His and first seizure, the first time that virus, that that weird, weird virus like, viral, sch- that weird yeah. rare viral schizophrenia Whalen syndrome. I can't so, believe I how many details I'm yeah. remembering of this movie. Well done, sir. <laughs> but like the like viral Whalen syndrome sch- version of schizophrenia, he had his first fit when he was a child, and then it's we brought f- on by water. Yep, and his dad brutally beat him and like tortured him when he got home for embarrassing him during his salvation and you're like dad you might not be the best Christian I don't know that if you, if you if you know what that yeah so he he like pulls her out of the tub and bird pointed out um just just as an aside just as a thing to point out because you don't really get this in film very often but there is a full on labia yeah all the way out bird was like Oh, it's horrible, but we have to go back because we I need to confirm that we just saw that. And you go back and when you lift her out of the tub, there it is. Yep. 
brave performance. A lot of times they'll there'll be like you know the the sort of um, what's well, interesting. Was, you see the full labia, but we get three shots of them cleverly covering Vincent D'Onofrio's ass and his genitals. We do see his ass at one point. Yeah, I know. But, but they do a cover of, his genitals. Yeah, yeah. 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 I'm like, mm, okay. We could have been fair. I thought, honestly, that Vincent D'Onofrio's performance, especially for like 2000, you know, um, when they weren't, when like seeing male genitalia on film was not particularly common back then. Sure. I, that was one of the things we loved about Ari Aster is you see like. Exactly. Not, and not like. Huge hog seven, but like normal dude dick yeah. at the end of Hereditary. When he's running out of the, yeah, yeah, out of the out of the hump tent. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you mean in uh, in Midsummer? Oh, Midsummer. You see it in Hereditary That's too, right. with like her her high school history oh, teacher God. or his high school Standing history teacher. Ding, 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 ding. The little dangly dangle. But I thought for for like two thousand, this is pretty brave of Vincent D'Onofrio. Sure. Because he's you know like fully nude. Four times, three times three, in the movie. I think, yeah. And also, can we talk? Can we briefly touch on how fucking yoked Vincent D'Onofrio is? This is like fit. Not. I don't want to sound. He's typically he's big. bigger. Yeah. Than this. Like, like he's a he's a he, large man. He carries a little more weight normally. Right. He's but a little bit more kingpinny he usually. Has, he is kind of like svelted a bit for but this. He's gotten down to like a fighting weight he's or some beefy, shit. He's beefy, dude. Beefy as shit. When he's like holding himself up over the body and you see his back, you're like, Jesus. Yeah. Like the delts and the like the like his whole like rhomboid area straight in the he's he's pretty he's I'm not gonna say ripped because he is definitely carrying some weight, but like he's a big motherfucker. Yeah, dude. So I think, and then you can see the return of the child, right? Because he lays the body down on this table, and then he turns his head away, holds a hand up to both shield his—I think shield his face from splashes, but also to hide what he is happening. He doesn't want to see it, yeah. And he turns on some water, and then he like kind of quivers as the bleach is rinsed off the body by this sort of automated, semi-automated shower. System, yeah, yeah, it's like an eye flushing system, but aimed down to rinse the body. Um, he rinses this body off and then we're which again you can kind of see like you know th- that to me doesn't have the the bleach he doesn't look away from because that's the baptism this right. is cleansing this is cleaning but the water is a negative element the water tank doesn't like it that's the purview of the the dark passenger washing the body even though it's not submerging the body it's a reintroduction of the the element that so tormented him as a child right. this drowning thing um, then he he gets up. We get the reveal of all the fucking surgically implanted hooks in his back. Yeah, There's people who are like, I don't know. This movie's forty eight percent. It's too elaborate. Like fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> like really, honestly, what are you talking about? It's so wild. And he hooks himself up to a He full Chris Angels it. Yeah, dude. He hooks himself into like a shitload of chains. And by the way, uh, you notice the mirror shot when he like. Is lifting the chains to like navigate over the body, and the chains are all hanging around him like the cloak of purple when we're oh in his dreams my later. God, because he stands up and walks, and it's it's form it's a cloak of chains behind him, oh, and then he gets on all four, kind of like in a, like a plank position or mm-hmm. or something over the body, hovering. He's not touching the body. Nope, sure is. But he's like he's holding himself up over it, and he reaches over and he picks up a little remote control and turns on a TV. And starts to watch the footage of her death and yeah. listen to her screaming for her daddy. And and then he like clicks on the clicks the, the button on and you see he gets hoisted. And the hoist 
the way the hoist is situated works identically to how the cloak is situated, which it rather than just winching up with like a ding, 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 you know, where like a, a barrel turns and reels it in like a fishing line, they move on tracks and pull up over. Up and around, yeah. Up and around, like the way the, the reverse of how the cloak pulls down or it pulls out of those. Sick, dude. There's so much attention to detail in here. This is not just a spectacle film. This is craftsmanship. And he fucking suspends himself over this bleached, nude, drowned corpse of a woman while watching her murder in four angles on a screen and masturbates. And as he's masturbating, over 10 feet above this dead body, the blood is running down his back, running down his arms. You can see his face in pain. And like, yes, this is very elaborate, but you can also see the like... This is how I'm fulfilling this like weird sexual need. There's always we find out that he doesn't wash the semen off the body because they're no. able. He's just not in the system, but they are able to type his semen off of her later. So yeah. he doesn't clean it. But but there's also like no penetration. Everything here. It's, you talked a little bit about duality a while back. There's always this layer of separation. You know, like okay, I really want to like fuck this body, but the, her actual body is kind of holy to the child it's like sacred to the kid this is a this is an object of salvation but i have this other part of me that needs this other thing god damn it so in order to make that work you create these layers of separation she's in a tank with glass between her and the cameras which are glass between the glass and her and the water it's all through lenses and filters it's making as much space between distance as possible and also the the pleasure the the actual like the the sexual component the jacking off onto this object of salvation while watching her death is tied to its own like it's like a christian flagellant you know it's it, like the ecstasy is tied to its own punishment right you know it's it's fucking crazy the you could you could watch this movie like five times and not dig out all of the little shit that's going on in here it's really 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 cool shit and we haven't even introduced vince vaughn yet sorry we haven't um what do you got give me some notes carl Uh, my next note was no but really barefoot is horrible okay good that was uh, no Uh, we're in agreement (laughs) (laughs) so uh there's so my my i think vince Vaughn is the weakest part of this flick. You think so? I do, 100%. Okay. And uh, there's no really budging on it for me. I think that he, he was miscast completely. You think so? Here, I do. We, so oh, it's... Okay, okay. One, some of it is... He just doesn't have the chops for it. And it's just... I don't I don't buy it. I don't buy him. I don't buy his performance. I think he's a little bit weak in it, to okay. be completely honest with you. I think the character itself is interesting. I just don't... I I just feel he's the weakest part of this whole this whole thing. Go do Swingers Part Two. You you aren't built for drama, brother. I disagree. I know that's okay. I, I think that I think Vince. I feel about Vince Vaughn the same way that I feel about Matthew McConaughey, which is, I think that Matthew McConaughey is misused. I like these movies. The movies I'm about to say, like I've seen him. I've seen him. You know, like the, I I like him. I like him fine. But he's misused in movies like How to Lose a Guy in Ten Days. Or failure? No, is failure to launch? Failure to launch. Yeah, that's is that him, him or yeah, is sure that? Is. Okay, yep. so like, though, there's like a certain type of Matthew McConaughey. Because <laughs> in tight, 
Sorry, excuse me. There's a certain type of Matthew McConaughey flick where he's just a stoner surfer or he's like a, yeah, man, anything to do, man. Or he's just a handsome person that's going to fall in love with, fall out of love with, and then back in love with one of several female characters. I feel that way about Vince Vaughn with movies like Dodgeball and, you know, uh, uh, wedding crashers there was this there's a period in time where vince vaughn basically just did s- essentially like simple comedy films yeah and there's nothing I'm playing vince vaughn every time and which there's is fine. nothing wrong with them like i th- i loved wedding crashers i've seen that movie a couple times it's really funny dodgeball is Damn. dodgeball yeah dodgeball is fine like vince vaughn used as as like summer comedy actor right. vehicle is okay but then when you see shit like, oh God, it's there's like um, there's one called, there, he plays a prison. It's like one of the most violent movies I've ever seen. It's called like Cell Block, Cell Block ninety nine or oh, Cell wow. ninety nine or something like that. And when you see Vince Vaughn cut loose on something raw and rowdy with some meat on it to work with, the guy makes interesting choices, and I kind of like him here for. I love. I'm I'm with you on this. I think he's kind of young in this. Yeah, it's like well, he's God. This is 2000. 2000, yeah. 2000. So this is like three years after Swingers. So yeah, he's like in his early twenties here. I think. Right. So you get, you know, like the the scene, the bit where he's talking about the guy who like molests the child, and then they the child's cut open. He, I would say he gets close. I would he say he's really close, but just not. I put him like in the like ninety percent of where that performance like could have been to make it better. But he's right there, and in his young twenties, you can see it's like we were talking about with um, uh, 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 Man in the Iron Mask, where you can see Leo, you can kind of oh, see, you can see the, what Leo's gonna yeah. be able to do one day. He's not quite there, but damn, but it, you almost. can see it. Yeah, and and it's there because like you can see moments of emotion that are like popping up yeah but then yeah okay that line was a little flat or maybe take another take on that but but then again there it is it's you can see his eyes like he there are moments where he kind of looks haunted and you're like oh oh okay maybe he has seen some shit i don't know though i'm with you on that i love him hyperventilating under (laughs) the under like the um, when he's getting his uh yeah when he's going into jennifer lopez's (laughs) mind (laughs) yeah no he's going yeah he's going into jennifer lopez's mind because he's there they're going god i don't know they're they're both they're both in vincent d'onofrio's mind right that's right because when when vincent d'onofrio goes into jennifer lopez's mind it's just the two of them and uh which by the way that we'll get let's talk about the conclusion in just a second but i do like that i like the, the, one of the sequences in here that I like the best is when he goes into uh, Vincent D'Onofrio's brain and Vincent gets him on that table and cuts his stomach open. Dirty little worm. Dirty little worm. Cuts the stomach open, starts digging his fingers to widen the hole, and Vince Vaughn's screaming and screaming. And they, it's not real. It's not, it's not real. real. It's not real. And he gets his blood. You know, he's come. Vincent. I'm talking about Vince Vaughn here, but like. Vincent D'Onofrio in that scene as the like the dark passenger like Pope version I don't of know, himself. The, li- the golden version of There's so many different iterations of this like cruel murderer. My brain is in a weird place right now. Trinity was just licking my foot and I thought your foot was licking my foot. My foot was licking your yeah. foot? Yeah. Like as for a hot I'm like Trinity's tail was just hitting my knee and I was like, that's Trinity's tail. 
Yeah. <laughs> but you were like, Max's foot has grown a tongue. I don't know. It's a weird movie, Carl. Like, all sorts of weird stuff. Long, it's been a long day. And it has been. Yeah. So... I, I also like. We're so, talking about this this crazy movie, so my brain is it's like not real. Carl. It's like not dream real. logic, and we've been talking about Gnosticism for a month. Yeah, exactly. So, but he he pulls out. You don't expect this movie to get as gr- as gruesome as it does. It does you, though. You, it's like the moment in um, Enter the Void where you keep waiting for the cut, but it doesn't happen because mm-hmm. he pulls Vince Vaughn's intestine out. He's pulling like this long strand of guts out, and you're like, "That's, That's fucking gross. gross." And then there's a spit, like perpendicular to Vince Vaughn's like belly button and with some spikes on it and the dark passenger Vincent D'Onofrio pins the intestine to the spit and then starts the fact that's hooked up to a music box fucks my brain up I don't think it is I was just making that sound no it does it does a little ding 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 does it as he's as well I can't I was just listening to Vince Vaughn scream so I missed the music box part but he starts winding slowly winding Vince Vaughn's guts out of his body and later, we see a medieval woodcutting that shows that this is an actual form, form of, of torture. medieval torture. Yeah. And I got to tell Plus you, the end of Braveheart. pretty, pretty high is not the time to realize that humans have really done this to each other for thousand years. Because you're like, wow, oh, shit. we are cruel. Yep. That is horrible. Also, definitely. There were whole sects of religious folk in the carl did air quotes over religious right thank you (laughs) you're welcome uh to determine exactly how how much a human body can take in torture because that's the only way you can cleanse some people yeah unit 731 during world war ii the japanese essentially just fuck shit just a just a unit dedicated to medical experiments to see okay um how long can a human being be hung upside down before their heart can't get blood out of their head anymore and they die right how okay if we freeze someone's arm and break it off how long can they live if we freeze someone's leg and then let it thaw out and it gets gangrene how long until gangrene kills them these are the mildest how things. long can you keep someone awake by playing fucking rock and roll music well that's america that did that guantanamo oh Bay. shit that's yeah that's, but like we can claim we can claim that one yeah i mean where everyone's hands are kind of dirty, but like, oh man, there's, but there's humans. All of our hands we're, are dirty. We're not great, yeah. But like, that see, okay. So one thing that we kind of we skipped over here is they warned us that if Jennifer Lopez came to believe that Vincent D'Onofrio's brain world was real, she might get trapped there, and anything that happened in the dream. Or in the in his mind, you get a little nightmare on Elm Streety there. Yeah, a bit. if you die, and when they say it's like the old wives' tale, if you die in your dreams, you die in real life. That line delivery, briefly, when that's the uh, the technician is talking yeah. to Vince Vaughn. I love the the tiny little subtle detail that Vince Vaughn talks over him. Right, I was like, you know, it's the old wives' tale, <laughs> and at that point, Vince Vaughn's like, yeah, 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 and he goes, but the guy finishes up still. I love the like the over dialogue. I thought it was such a great little touch performatively. Um, but he's, so he, what, what's happened is that happens to JLo. Oh no, she came to believe that this was real. And, and this is another, some of the writing is a little, can remember that thing we talked about three scenes ago that have ever happened? We're fucked. That is happening right now. There's a little bit of that. There. That's why I say this movie is almost as good as seven, nearly Not on quite. par with Jacob's ladder, yeah. but like, but I'm also nitpicking. Yeah. And, and in a weird way. I might almost rather watch The Cell than... You know how we talked about... During our shootout, we were saying like, okay, we've got these three masterpiece movies. But if if you're sitting down and it's like, what do you want to watch tonight? Do you want to watch Seven? 
Jacob's Ladder or The Cell. Of those movies... Probably The Cell. The Cell is the most fun. Which is fucked to say. It is totally fucked because that movie's so rowdy. But given Jacob's Ladder and given Seven... Yeah. I mean, there's a head in the box. Spoilers. (laughs) You're just wrecking movies left and right today. It's Gwyneth Paltrow's head is in the box. She's dead. Anytime someone says what's in the box, it's Gwyneth Paltrow's head. He needs him to be the seventh sin. He's Yeah, he's Envy and then Brad Pitt's Wrath. Exactly. And also Morgan Freeman, he's a genius. Yeah. There, spoilers. Morgan Freeman's Step a genius. Step away from the box. That's not. Step away from the box. How's that? Bob Dylan? <laughs> That's a little more Bob Dylan even. Get away from the bags. <laughs> <laughs> What's in the bags? What's in the bags? <laughs> it's almost like Christopher Wagner. Wow, what's in the, what's in the what's box? What's in the box? What's in the box? What's in the box? It's fine. It's fine. What's in the box? Now it's like Tom Waits. He's like, What's in the box? What's in the box? box? (laughs) (laughs) So J-Lo, J-Lo has... That's a funny bit, though. Like, different actors Uh, auditioning for Seven seven? the What's in the Box scene. (laughs) Hey, what's in the box? (laughs) Owen Wilson. Wow. Wow. What's in the box? Wow. Wow. That's again getting a little Christopher Walken. Wow. wow. What's in the box? That's what we'll do. <laughs> Al Pacino. Oh. What's in the box? Wow. What's in the box? Oh, Robin Williams. Hey, Chief. What's in the box? Hey, Chief. What's in the box? J-Lo's not in the box. But J-Lo is. No, she is in the box, though. She's in a cell. And that's the other thing. We, we were like breaking down cells. She finds herself in a cell. There's his his mind is a cell. Her mind in a weird way is a cell. There's some like metaphorical things about how we're all sort of like trapped in our own perspectives. There's a lot of cool. What I'm saying is, is the movie smarter than people give it credit for, I yeah. think. But one of my favorite moments of J-Lo acting is this scene where Vince Vaughn's getting his guts ripped out. Because Vince Vaughn has gone into Vincent D'Onofrio's brain to try and free Jennifer Lopez because she's trapped in the illusion. Right. And uh, she's trapped in, um, Carl, a falsified world run by a malignant being who's keeping her there to feed off of her suffering. And it's only through knowledge and enlightenment that she can escape. Sort of like... Like Gnosticism? Exactly like what Gnosticism is, yeah. So Vincent D'Onofrio... Denostic Frio. Vincent Denostic Frio. When he puts that collar on her that's got those spikes and you see the little like of blood when he clicks it on her, that's fucked up, man. Yeah, man. There's a lot of little shit in this that fucks me up. And when we when we meet okay, now here is a moment where the movie knows that J Lo is fucking hot. Vincent Vince Vaughn pops in and he's like, Hey, what's up, Bib? We gotta get you out of here, Bib. We gotta get you out of here. I'm sleepy. Like He's horny, is what I'm barely, it is. I'm barely able to keep my eyes open. We gotta make out and get out of oh, here. Oh, dude, the three moms sitting in the oh, sh- the baby, the baby bird, the baby bird oh, moms looking up in, in a in a. Oh my oh, god, so up, fucking creepy. That that is what dreams may come. Yep, like a hundred percent. He wakes up in a puddle, and we do we get you know what else we get? We get a little bit of fucking Enter the Void. Yeah, dude, with like all the swirling like CG colors, and look, it's bad. My dude. note, my note is that Gaspar Noe must have watched this movie a couple of times because there's like some. That that DMT trip yes. is literally here it's with slightly shittier CG. Slightly shittier CG, but I'll tell you what. You know what makes the CG better, listener? Fifteen milligrams. 
I bet I it looks like, great. I was like, for this you, is a wild. <laughs> but then, of course, you suffer for it because you're like, wow, this looks crazy. And then there's three women sitting in a field with their mouths open to the sky, and you're like, Oh, I hate everything about this. Yep, this is all horrible. Bird, and the worst part, Bird went to sleep with like an hour left because she's like, I gotta wake up early. We bought it, so she's gonna watch it later. But there was a couple moments where I was like a little so toasted that I like reached to hold her hand and I looked and she was gone and I'm like, oh no, I'm already in. <laughs> <laughs> Which is great because that's a great moment in this film when too. When she's already in. Oh shit, I'm already in. We brought, we blew a fuse. God damn it. Sorry, I forgot about the. I yeah. I, I must hit the J Lo thing before I forget. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Um, she's like become Vincent D'Onofrio's like concubine queen essentially. Yeah, exactly. He has claimed she, her. Yeah, she's like she's in this like regal outfit and she's doing this like you know in Get Out when they have That's the like super important smile. too that she is not a victim. He has made her almost his equal, not his equal in a way, but she's a slave for sure. But she, yeah, but she's not a bleached woman in a box, right? And she's and not a marionette. She's, yeah, she's not in like elaborate bondage. No, I mean there is some of that fetishy element going on though, because she is collared and the collar is chained to like a peg right. that's in the top of the bed. It's a lot of this movie is sort of steeped in fetishism, like like not the actual definition of fetishism, but as we think of it, like the BDSM. Like there's a lot of bondage that goes in, on in here. There's a lot of um, there's a lot of really sexy like chevron collars and yeah. bon- and like posture collars and things like that um there's some really cool as as a fan just a general fan of of bondage there's some really cool like shibari rope work that's going on in here one of my favorites is the uh one of the like marionette women as j-lo's first opening up all the doors she has her hands bound behind her in sort of like a pseudo strapado um like bondage posture essentially but there's a coubaton bar bound into her wrists which would add like a layer of discomfort i thought that was such a great detail you know like the whoever's doing costume design on this intimately understood like the mechanics of bondage and and how to make a really cool visual line with the human body real dark in here it is i think there's either we're already in carl or there's a thunderstorm going yeah. about to happen yeah. i don't know man it's like i just noticed over the last like five minutes i'm like it's like it's getting kind of eerie in here <laughs> it's it's so it's kind of appropriate it's adding some ambiance because i'm also getting a lot of blue light off your mic because you've got the light oh, in front I've got of you. The, oh. so your face is like lit all blue and weird it's kind of fun so do you know when you remember in Get Out when they have like that blank like doll like face and they're like uh, and but but you can tell that they're not really there yes J-Lo is watching Vince Vaughn get his guts like twisted out of him on a spit and her she's like lounging like like Slave Leia in in Return of the Jedi you know but the look on her face is like this sort of like it's like a this is good face acting yeah it is like I'm I am going to nominate J-Lo for eye acting for this scene that's crazy because normally you're like, J-Lo, that's, cele- that's like when Will Smith's in a movie. Huh? But we've already talked about how good Will Smith is well, yeah. and shit. I was about to say, like, um, uh, we can talk about that I, if I'm you legend. want. I'm like- yeah. yeah. <laughs> but um, but she, she's got this, like, vacant yet subtly cruel look on her face. It's the only way I can describe it. It is, it's like a mask of cruelty with nothing behind it. Like... It's amazing. And then Vince Vaughn is screaming and he's trying to wake her up. He's like, it's not real. It's not real. But she has the collar on. She's bought into the lie. She's she's trapped in this false reality by the Demiurge. And uh, he goes, he goes, Edward, 
Edward only has six more months, and without you, he's going to die. And there's a pause. And this is another place where I give Vince Vaughn credit. I actually like him in this. Is he? There's this great beat as he's like trying to wheeze through the pain of having his guts twisted out of him. But he still has to apologize. Oh my God. Right. Sorry, Carl. Yeah, no, that's all right. I'm sorry, buddy. He still has to take like a second to apologize to, to for what he just said. Because in order to crack her out of her shell, he has to say the one thing that's going to hurt her enough yeah. to wake her up. And he, he acknowledges it. He's like, he's only got six months and without, you know, he's only got six months left in your facility and without you, he's going to die. And then he has to like, oh my God, because his guts are getting ripped out. And he goes, I'm sorry I said it. And you're like, fuck, dude. Yeah, yeah. Like his choice was continue to have his guts twisted out of him until his body dies because he buys into the thing. And yet he still, because some part of him hates suffering people so much, hates seeing people suffer so much that he's sad and he has to apologize for hurting her. And when we cut back to JLo's face and she's still got the kind of like pseudo cruel mask on, but there's that subtle shift just in the eyes and her face still is smiling, but her eyes look shattered and there's that she doesn't cry, but no. you can see them welling up, and then her lips kind of falter just a little bit. That is, that's when we talk about like the Daniel Day Lewis's microfacial acting or Tom Hardy acting just with his eyes because his whole face is covered. I'm gonna give J Lo. Sure. I'm gonna give J Lo that right there. That was an outstandingly subtle shift. Blew me away. Sitting on my couch watching The Cell last night, <laughs> high out of my mind. I'm watching this and I'm like, that was fucking excellent. That was really good work by JLo right there. It moved me, man. Yeah. That whole sequence moved me. That was really good. <laughs> All right. Give me a note because I'm now I'm, I've been freeforming for the whole time. <laughs> no, no. I, lo- I I dig it, man. Uh, so really, we're, we're pretty much towards... Towards the end of this yeah. whole shindig, because ultimately, if they don't get the information from from Carl, this new woman, this new victim, is going to die, right? And we've seen the water start to come in. We on already her a know that, bit. like, we are at T minus nothing at this point. Hours left. But what I kind of hate, and this is another problem I have with mm, it, is it the Nick of Time thing. <laughs> well, I don't mind the Nick of Time thing. I, I appreciate that as a trope in these movies. That's sure. why there's so many of them. It fucking works. Okay. There's a ticking clock. There's yeah. a bomb about to go off. There's a woman who's about to drown. Like, right. They got to get the election results. <laughs> like, whatever the fuck it is. Like, <laughs> I dig it, man. That's a that's a cool that's a cool thing to experience, right? Yeah. It's, it's Intense. Yeah, 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 you know? yeah. yeah. They're, they're fucking stakes, man. Yeah, you don't stop the, I, the I nuclear hate those, clock. T- I hate those missions and... in video games because there's too much pressure. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, oh my god, five minutes. You're covered in your own I'm waist. Screwed. <laughs> it's like, but I'd rather have those in escort missions. But anyways, sure. Or I, grinding, I, where you have grinding. to, you got to mine it. for five hours to. Blech. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but okay, so I don't know if I'm just I'm running into this a lot because we've been watching flicks that are like in the '90s and 2000s. But this really felt to me like J-Lo is the expert. She's the one that's that's in there. And she's I'm fine with Vincent Vaughn having to go in to like snap her out of it. Oh, okay, okay. I was right? like, who's Vincent Vaughn? Which who do you Vince mean? Vaughn, Vince Vaughn. Vince Vaughn, gotcha. Yeah, I'm yeah, fine yeah. with Vince Vaughn going in to have to like snap her out of it because the bad thing that we don't want to have happen has happened. But like, I don't know. She does ultimately like bring him around, but it felt I don't know if this is me or whatever, but it felt a little bit like 
the the guy going in to save the day a little bit, and I didn't really care for that as much. I don't know. It's uh, see, okay. I don't know if I'm bringing that because it's such a present thing now. Like you're you're hearing it talked about where it's like. The the woman can't just have the agency and be the hero. She has to have the dude come in and save the day. Sure. Um, so so I don't know. It, I don't know. It just it felt really weird to me because we had to introduce the third. The third unit is there is like a Chekhov's gun thing at the very beginning. It's like, well, that we used to do double therapy, but but Edward but it didn't, didn't like work. it. Yeah. So so we introduced that. There's three suits in the back. It's like, the nuclear power plant on the TV. Really like, is. where's the third act going to take place? And I'm I like, guess the oh, nu- it's going to be Vincent Vaughn. Vince Vaughn. Vince Vaughn. God damn it. No, man, it makes but him austere. Just, <laughs> it just that felt a little bit like stupid. Isn't to it me. Vincenzo? Vincenzo Vaughn. Vincenzo <laughs> <laughs> I see why he changed it for Hollywood. I you know? mean, absolutely. Um, but I don't know. It just that felt a little bit too scripted. I don't know. It just let me. Can I throw I something over and see what you think? Because sure. I, I thought about this this morning. Because last night, of course, I was all the way in. Sure. You know? I'm I'm digging it. I'm loving it. I had a blast. And then this morning, I kind of thought about the same thing because when I watched this last night, there was a moment in here that rubbed me like rubbed me weird. And which in this movie, (laughs) but like there's a it's the moment when when there he comes in to rescue her and, you know, she stabs um, Vincent D'Onofrio in the back and then they get to that other he he sees the like the machine symbol and the the like makers mark. He makes a connection of the and he's like, wait, the we can get that winch machinery. Tell me everything. I think I've he thinks that he has gotten enough clues to accomplish it out now. And here's why, and what he does essentially is Jennifer Lopez is working, at that moment, she's working with the kid aspect of Vincent D'Onofrio's personality. And she's like, you know, I'm going to help you. I'm not going to let you, you know. uh, You can go ahead and leave, Vince. I've got this now. Yeah, I'm taking care of the boy. And he's like, we got to go. We got to go. I think I've solved the thing. And and everything starts falling apart. And the bad guy shows up. You know, uh, uh, the dark passenger shows up and shit's getting intense. And Vince bails him out. He bails them both out. He's like, we're leaving. I've got the I've got what I came for. Let's go. He hits the plot point chip. The plot point chip. Yeah. Chekhov's chip. chip. The plot hole chip. (laughs) Um. The the little uh, what was the what movie did we just watch that where they had the the thing in their neck? Oh fuck! What was that? Yeah, I don't. Remember. And then it like fries, it like frazzles out. Oh shit! And someone's is it? Oh no, this is bad. <laughs> we just watched a movie that had this as like an, an integral part of the. Film. Oh no! <laughs> she absorbs all. The, oh, it was it was um, Captain Marvel. Oh yeah, because she can't have all of her powers. Right, because it's like a little power limiter thing, yeah. and then she fries it out and becomes essentially god, incredible. like the most powerful thing we've ever seen. Oh my god, she is a she's a beast. Yeah, dude. By the way, Captain Marvel haters. Also, yeah, there's another movie that like got way more hate than it needed. Twenty eight percent or something on Rotten Tomatoes. Captain Marvel is awesome. That's a great movie. It's super accurate to the comic books. Very yeah. faithful adaptation. Um. I love that it's in the 90s. Yes, well shot. The nostalgia stuff is great. I, I And it's funny as fuck. Yeah. That movie is really good. I really don't understand the hate. I know that people have problems with... What's the actress's name? Do you remember? Oh. Uh, um, Brie, Brie Larson. Brie Larson. 
I understand some of the like personal distaste for Brie Larson. She doesn't necessarily interview very well. She doesn't come across as very charismatic. But when you're talking about just the film and the performance and what you're seeing on screen, yeah, that movie does not deserve the hate. Captain Marvel's fucking good. Yeah, dude. Movie's so cool. But yeah, Jude Law in that shit too. Yes, and he's a villain. It. I'm sorry. Anyway. Sorry. Light spoilers. My bad. But watch it. It's so good. Yeah. Um, but in the cell, um, here's why retroactive. Because I was like, oh man, she was trying to help the kid, and Vince Vaughn drags her out. Here's what how I explain that. Here's how I like pass that or what or whatever. Because I was kind of trying to figure it out this morning. I get it, dude. I mean, I see you've got your little stack over here, which is cool, <laughs> but. <laughs> He, um, that's what he's motivated to do is save this woman. And I, they have different motivations, right? Yeah. So she, her, she's doing this. She's a therapist. She's a therapist and he's an FBI agent. So what he's doing is he's relying on his training there. He is. Go- we have gotten what we came for. And he doesn't really care at all. About no, he Vincent doesn't. D'Onofrio. He's gotten if the information. Guy, if that guy dies now, if that's dies. fine. Exactly He's like let's get out of here That guy can stay in a fucking coma forever But I'm gonna get that woman out of the tank And also in this moment Because he's disrupted the psychology a little bit Because he's like we gotta go And now the dark passenger's there As a field An FBI field agent I'm recognizing a threat I came here on a rescue mission to save her This is a dangerous situation I'm gonna extricate her from this Exactly So he pulls her out And part of us goes like Well hey she's got her own agency But But he's doing the thing That he's trained he's to do He's being a cop Yeah exactly You know like when the cop Is trying to save the kidnapping victim From the kidnapper You're not like Well let her decide If she wants no, exactly. to do the You know so he bails out And and I actually like how this resolves because he does kind of remove her agency a little. She wants to work on therapy, but he wants to save this woman, but he pulls them both out. She locks herself back in and reclaims that agency. And she, Yeah, that's so, right. So his mission is, I'm going to go save this kid. And I love, by the way, that he's just like, they're like, take it slow, take it slow. And he's like pulling wires out. He's like, yep, I'm gonna fuck- I got this shit. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, he jumps in a helicopter. Oh my like, God, dude. I have a note about him running. <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold on. Um, they're in the chopper heading somewhere. They're not really sure. Uh, and suddenly we were guilt fucking bird. I hate. Wait, what the fuck? Hold on. Oh my God. And here you go. Oh, uh, watching Vince Vaughn run up that ramp was like watching me try to carry a box full of hammers up a ladder with no rungs. <laughs> <laughs> he's just like, he's having a hell of a time, dude. He's like, oh shit. Um, oh shit. My legs are not. Oh I, shit! <laughs> I kind of I dug it, man. I liked it because I was like, I was Vince Vaughn as an actor must have been like, all right. I was just in Vincent D'Onofrio's <laughs> brain, and I didn't go through. I gotta run up a hill and I catch it. And I didn't go chopper. through the cool down cycle right. of the workout. So and now I'm sprinting towards the helicopter, dude. It's like he's just. It's got all but like the Jim Carrey when nature incredible. calls, like like numbed, poison blow yep. dart arms. You know, oh, it's incredible. <laughs> But, but I, I, I actually like this because at this point in the movie, rather than turning it into a like, and now that we've we formed a bond and now we're together and we're going to do our thing together, these two characters are like, he's like, I got to go save the girl. And she's like, I'm going to go try and save Vin, uh, Vincent D'Onofrio. And he's like, good luck. And off they go yeah. to do their own thing. Yeah. We don't have to. I, I applaud this movie for not welding them together into yeah. a unit now where it's like. She can't go back in unless he's there to defend her. He's like, you good? And that's where I'm it good. self-corrects the whole thing that I had the issue yeah. with. Where I felt like, ah, dude, is it the guy going in to like to finish the job? Right. 
But it doesn't. There's a little bit of that, but then it kind of like self-corrects when he fucks off to the helicopter and then she goes back she in. She goes back in. She locks everyone out. Yes. And she does it on her own. And Because yeah. they they both had their quests. Right. And they don't drag each other into their quests. They go in and they both get what they need. And then once they've accomplished that, it's almost like a, like a parting salute yep. as they go off and do their thing. Because he saves the girl, which... That actress, the the oh my god, when she's like sucking on the pipe for air, and he knocks on the god. window, and she's screaming into the pipe, but she will not take her mouth off it because she doesn't want to lose that oxygen because she's underwater. And then he's shooting the fuck. It's, yeah, so, dude, it's tense, so great, dude. And then when all that shit with Jennifer Lopez, when she draws him into her mind. Yes, I'm fully aware that part of why this hit me in such like a profound and heightened way was the weed for right. sure. But dude. The end of this movie is her killing someone's mind yeah. inside her. She brings a mind into her mind. And kills it. And then kills that person inside her own she brain. She does the thing that Vincent D'Onofrio did to the bird. She drowns it She to yeah. save it. She dr- In the cell of her mind. Yeah, dude. Her brain becomes his water torture chamber. Mm-hmm. Dude, that was wild. It's like what it's it's like this deep philosophical thing. It's like what's in her mind? Is it his soul? Is it all of the electro uh, the like the um, electric impulses that power his mind? What is it? Is it? How, I mean, we we need to know the technology to know this right. answer. But the idea that she draws some some being into her own mind and then psychically kills them symbolically kills them there and then the body dies in the real world is really chilling and seeing the toll that it takes on her is amazing because it's not like when it's done you know she doesn't come out like all right that's one more monster out of the world she rolls onto her side and curls into a fetal ball and cries man she doesn't she doesn't cry she fucking sobs man so beautiful (laughs) it's so beautiful man it's like it's so well handled it could have been like because she's in a cool suit that looks like she's flayed and they could have made her a badass where she's you know like well she kind of is a badass when she's fighting when she's fighting the god boy yeah she turns into a fucking warrior dude it's insane she fucks him up so bad like you're in my world now motherfucker like (gasps) and and this movie will not will not let you off the hook if you're ready if you're like totally ready to be like, yeah, now she's like Trinity in the Matrix and she's like, oh, yeah, she's kicking ass. And then like, oh, fuck, yes, Vincent D'Onofrio in full snake makeup with prosthetic teeth and beautiful. Dude, the, the, the makeup effects when he comes out of the water. When you see his head come up out of the water and then they mm. cut above and you see the snake skin cloak rise up. That is one of the coolest fucking shots I've ever seen. It's like I had to, I had, so one of the coolest scenes ever is the Batman, uh, it's, it was a YouTube video came out years ago, uh-huh. Batman Dead End. Yeah. It was like this fan made short film where Batman takes on the Joker and then the Joker gets killed by uh, Predator and then he has to fight Predator and then the Predator gets killed by aliens and that's like the end of the thing. Uh-huh. So there's a there's a scene he's wearing the the gray and blue okay. suit, right? Yeah, a throwback. Yeah. Absolutely. So he jumps down Batman jumps down off of a building and lands like in a puddle of water and his cape goes in that perfect like surrounding him and then slowly yes. stands up and the cape 
just beautifully draws, draws in, in around him. That's forever was like my favorite cape shot of all time. Yes. Seeing this again, I'm like, well, shit. There is two goddamn good capes in this <laughs> yeah, flick, man. man. But Holy when, shit. when she's got the dark passenger beaten to a bloody pulp, like puncture wound in his chest, and he's all fucked up, and he's like, you can't kill me. Maybe, I don't know, dude. Rafe is, is you think uh, Rafe Fiennes? Rafe Fiennes is biting, biting a little Voldemort a from little this? A little bit, dude. Gotta be. Well, he was also um, the Red Dragon, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There you go. There's your Red Dragon connection. Yeah, man. Both of those are great casting, honestly. They yeah. really are. But like, when you see, you can't kill me, and you're like, that's that might be true. That yeah. might actually be true because if you are just the dark impulse of humanity to murder, or if you are the part of humans that killed. kills and tortures and takes pleasure in pain and rapes and and commits atrocity and dreams of genocide. Can that be eradicated? I don't know. You can't kill me. And then she drives the sword into him. And he fake dies to fuck with her. Yep. And the line he says when he's he's bleeding out and the boy is bleeding out of the steps and he says, you can't kill me. He says, God, me, boy, boy, me, God, is what he says. God, me, boy. Holy boy, me, God. I love that the dark passenger robs her of any victory when she twists the sword and then he says, um, uh, what is it? God, uh, God, me, boy, boy, me, God. God, me, boy, boy, me, God. She turns and looks and realizes that everything she's done to the dark passenger, she has also done to the boy. Exactly. You look over and you see a boy that's beaten to within an inch of his life with a huge gaping bleeding wound in his chest. And you're like, oh, fuck. She can't destroy one without destroying all three so she drowns that's the most fucked thing is the it that's why it's not a victory for her that's why it's not the trinity or neo in the matrix movies moment it's not the it's not a heroic you you just exploded agent smith into a million particles she doesn't cut the head off the serpent and then emerge triumphant into reality in order to do this she has to drown a child she has to drown a child you kill the monster by drowning the child so she does, and when she wakes up, she's shattered by it. Yeah, man. It's outstanding. And then the denouement is what it is. It's fine. It's okay. But, but for me, man, her her in the fetal position. That could have faded. You could have faded to black. Roll credits, man. Because we already know that we saved the girl. Yep. She's saved. Yep. That's all I needed. I need that girl saved, and I need her coming out and rolling onto her side. And then... And we can guess at what may or may not happen with Mr. E, with Edward. Sure. Like, that's fine. I, I like the little, like, you know, like, everybody likes a little bit of closure, but this that is... That could have been a cool, like, 30 seconds into the credits, we come back onto a, a bright, arid desert with flapping blue with a boat and her and Edward standing there. That would have been cool. That is true. Actually, yeah, I guess I guess a lot of viewers would kind of want, like, a little bow a little on, that, clo- on the A Edward. little closure, because... Because it's important enough that we kind of we we do deserve a little bit of a closure. It's still ambiguous. Yeah, we, we don't know if the therapy is going to work for him. That's true. But she has take she made the decision to try this more dangerous way to see if it's going to work with him. You know, I guess I guess maybe I guess maybe I do kind of like where the denouement takes us because without it. Without it, you're left with she is shattered. This broke her. Yeah, we and need to see her like. Yeah, I actually kind of do like that this, whereas Jacob's Ladder, 
even though if you sit with it and really think about it and kind of do some mental gymnastics, it can be a happy ending, but it doesn't look like a happy ending. Right, no. And Enter the Void, you can do the same thing, but Enter the Void leaves you feeling bleak. The reason I would pick The Cell over any of the other movies that we've watched this month is... The Cell actually, in a weird way, has a happy ending. Oh, the girl gets saved. The bad guy is defeated, albeit in a very a heartbreaking way. sort of way. Yeah, and she has she has grown as as she's learned something about her therapy technique that she can use to right. to save more people and reach some like some some uh, reach some the closure. unreachable man. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like how this wraps up. So. I like this movie, dude. Me I like too. This movie a I lot. do. I mean, I own it. I've owned it for years. I think that I, oh, I have one of the OG like the cardboard um, <laughs> snap cases. Oh my for god! DVDs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Back in the day when they were like too cheap to give you the plastic yeah, ones, so you had like the flap that you pop off and then the cardboard yes! opens. That's the, my copy of this house. Flimsy, yeah. the flimsy garbage case. Exactly. <laughs> and they don't sit in your DVD collection they are properly. So fucking <laughs> shitty. They're all angled because of that stupid fuck closure flap on them. You know, back in the day, it was a simpler time it's, in the early two thousands. I mean, it's Carl. first world problems. Clearly. <laughs> I have a copy of Girl with the Dragon Tattoo that's like, it looks like a burned CD slipped into a sleeve, and the sleeve is like just a cardboard folder, and when I got it, I was like, dude, cool, it's like, this is what it would be like, it's she's like a hacker, so this is just like her hacker disc, and right. it's girl, but then you realize, like, this doesn't fit in my collection, <laughs> No, right? like, where do I put this? So I Every- stack it on top of, like, five other DVDs yeah. that are... Oops, I was too rough putting it in, and I tore the cover, and, like, oh, my disc Damn is it. getting scratched because it's not clicking into anything. It's yep. sliding into a paper sleeve. But, you know, when you're tw- when you're 20 years old and you're you're watching your movies, you're like, this looks pretty yeah. cool. You know what I dig about The Cell Man? What? When I first bought this movie and first watched it, when I would when I would sit people down to watch it, I'd be like, dude, you're gonna see some crazy shit that's gonna blow your mind. Yeah, that was that that was my approach to this flick. And now, many years later, and hopefully being a little older, a little wiser, <laughs> you see a lot more. Yeah, it's there's a lot there's a lot fucking going on in this flick, and as many problems as I have with it, I fucking love it. You it's know, a great movie. It is a great movie. It really is, yeah. and I I can I'm with you on all the nitpicky stuff. And it's New but Line it, Cinema, so it's like it's in the camp with Freddy Krueger, right? And all those other New Line. It reminds me of because I just recently rewatched Fight Club, and when I watched Fight Club in college, that was a that was one movie, right? Right. Rewatching that at 31 to talk about it for a show, it's like you've never seen Fight Club before, right? You watch it again, and you're like, what in the <laughs> yeah. And it is and it is both like much more troubling but much better than you remember. Right. Like cuz you, when you're a kid you're like it's so cool, it's so cool. But cool is kind of like whatever. It cools its own. You miss the point. Yes. And when you when you hit the like powerful underpinnings, I feel that way about the cell. So yeah. really quick, we already thanked our patrons and stuff. So I might actually cut all this out, listener, just so oh, you know. Oh, here we go. I might cut all this out. So if I'm you, I'm just gonna sit back and enjoy. If suddenly you hear a, uh, should I? I'm glad I kept some of these. Andy. <laughs> I kept, kept some. Keep some of those Kleenex, Andy. Um, if all of a sudden you just hear a big like brah sound, I decided that maybe this wasn't the story to share. I had just met Bird. We had just broken up with our. We were when we met each other. We were right. both dating other people. So we were like, okay, clearly we fucking really dig each other. We just got to break up with our 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 people and get together. So we did that. And but but before that, Carl, <laughs> before the breakups, there was like 
a couple weeks. And to be to be completely honest and transparent, we were so good. We were better than any two young people normally are. Okay, we're gonna ha- we have we're hanging out all the time, all the but fucking you're being time. Good. But we're being good. We did not ever kiss. Didn't hold hands. Didn't hug. Didn't fool around. Didn't do shit. Hanging on a bunch. But dude, she was like so fucking hot, <laughs> man. <laughs> so I'm like two weeks into like the most brutal fucking blue balls you can imagine to paint agony yeah but but you know like there's ways around that which we're which we're now exploring right yeah. so birds like have you ever seen the cell and i'm like no i never have seen the cell so she's like all right so we set up my laptop and she's like do you want to like make out and watch the cell and just hang out today i was like fuck yeah sounds great it's like a two-hour movie let's put it on and make out and watch the cell she's like it's really sexy and she's not wrong it's like i said it's <laughs> it's fucked up but it's also kind of weirdly hot and t- at times yes so she puts the cell on and we're hanging out in my dorm room bed and we're making out like hot and heavy and like within maybe 10 minutes she's i i'm like i'm like i can't I can't even make out anymore. I'm sorry. And I like I had to fess up. I was like, I've got I got the worst blue balls in the history of the world. <laughs> gonna... It's, it's I, you are a pain. I'm like it's it's I feel it in like my stomach how bad it hurts. I'm like I just if you want and I I even said I'm like I'm not being shitty. I promise you. I, if you want, I will like go and deal with this myself. I'll go in the bathroom. You know. Yep. I'll go down the down the bath down the hall at the end of the bathroom and just take care of this and come back and we can keep making out. And she's like, Oh, have I got your attention now? Good. And I was like, I was like, what? She's like, you think I'm fucking with you? I am not fucking with you. And I'm like, okay. So bird like, because it's fuck or warp. It's <laughs> <laughs> a nice way. To she put it. she fuck you. That's my name. Uh, and starts uh, she's like starts fuck em. while we're watching the fucking cell. And I'm like, I'm like, this movie is fucking not the movie that no. I expected it to be. And I'm fucked. Fuck it. Okay. But then I'm like, and then I start noticing. I'm like. Is Bird trying to pace this? I gotta close this fucker or I don't eat lunch or I don't win a Cadillac. To last the whole film, which is exactly what she did. And we were about halfway through when this started, but still, that's like 45 minutes. Yeah. So, like, and there was little breaks here and, like, getting water and stuff. And I'm like, I'm like, are we, what are we doing? You know, so they killed a goose and a fucking man's worked all his life. He's got a that's right. cower in his boots. Shoes, boots, yes. Some fucking sell 10,000 in a steak knife. She's like, do you want me to stop? I'm like, no, no. obviously not. Clearly not. I'm 22 years old. <laughs> Do this forever if you want. I don't care. <laughs> so, so we get like, it's like right near the end of the movie. And I'm like, fuck is he going to get off into another dimension? Like I open up seeing some colors for the first time. The great fucks you may have had. What do you remember about them? Every lost sock <laughs> has been wrung out of me. And you find a watch from World War II. Yeah, dude, it's like, you know, it's like my, this is your father's I gold watch. I blew that mic so <laughs> dude, hard, dude. I blew the mic so hard, Carl. Yes. Okay, you want to know how bad I blew the mic? I hit... So fucking what? What is it? Fire. Holy shit. None of your fucking business, pal. Hit... Fuck. 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 And then... You owe me a Cadillac. I don't think. I don't want to hear any fucking shit, and I don't give a shit. Fuck you, you owe me the car. (laughs) 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 
Oh, oh. That, was a, that was a twist ending there. I that know, dude. Like... I, sh- I Shyamalan'd it at the oh, end. Yeah, you, you Kaiser Sose'd it, man. I ca- yeah, yeah. Like, you went just when you thought it couldn't get any wilder. And it was did like... You, did you have a, 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 a barbershop quartet in Spokane or whatever the fuck? Talk about a fucking beat. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> no, back in the day, it's like. So Bird starts yeah. laughing, and I think she's laughing because fuck the machine. And she's like, still going, cause I'm still going, and yeah, everything's right. still going, and it's like 10, 15, Look, 20 seconds okay? later. Hey, fuck me, Bruce. But oh my, oh my god. god, and then like I turn and like it's the credits to the cell, and Bird's like, "What did you think of the movie?" And I'm like, "I guess I liked it." You yeah. Know? <laughs> like, oh my god. So that Carl is that is the how I first saw the cell. And it's, uh, yeah, so you can see, like, you know how, like, sometimes you have nostalgia for a film? Yeah. <laughs> I have really fond memories That's of incredible. One. It is. It's not a bad way to watch The Cell for no. the first time. Listener, I recommend it. <laughs> I oh, The Cell, not a, not a... Fuck the machine? But if you can... If you can get it... Who said fuck the machine? If you can get it... Fuck the machine! Fuck the machine! While you're watching The Cell... Highly recommend Highly recommend it. Right. Like... Honestly, the single greatest way too, to watch this too movie. Bad Didi can never really watch this. Nope, movie. this movie's definitely off. We'll have to watch. We'll have to find a cell of our own. All right, so listener, crawl into the cell. You're gonna love it. Um, we're done with psychological horror. So Woo, if like on to more lighter fare with war. Movies. Yeah, we're gonna watch. We're gonna we gotta we gotta just ease on out of this. You can't go right to like right to like musicals because it'd be too no, jarring. It'd be way too much like. Oh yeah! So you just uh-uh. hit the brakes. You yeah, you don't want to. We don't want to dynamite the brakes on you. So we're gonna it's, go it'd into. Be like, you, it'd be like a, a high performance sports car. You you're going to buck twenty down the highway and right. throwing it in reverse. You're gonna wreck the car. You don't want to wreck the car. You want to downshift a little yes, bit. Yes. So we're gonna downshift from psychological horror to historical atrocity. Fair enough. <laughs> we're gonna watch, but they're good. You're you're in for some really cool flicks. Couple classics, couple more modern classics. That's right. We've got a bunch of stuff coming up. Um, if you can find them, we're watching the director's cut of Das Boot. We're gonna watch um, a, bridge a Bridge Too Far. Twelve o'clock high. Twelve o'clock high. We're watching Beast of War, right. and we're watching The Hunt for Red October. So find those flicks, give them a spin. If you like war movies, give them a watch. If you don't like war movies, come and listen to us talk about them and see if we can change your mind. So uh, yeah, get get into the cell. Love you, some Vincent D'Onofrio, and we'll we'll see you next week for uh, for the worst things that humans have ever done to each other. I taste delicious. <laughs>